Oh, I can't believe I fell for this crap again. Kumquats. I'm holding up, holding up a bag of kumquats that I bought. Every time I try a kumquat, I think, never again. Never again. And then yesterday, like a dumb quat, I bought more kumquat. I, I don't even know what these things are. They're like these miniature oranges. They're like the size of an olive. Oranges have gotten smaller in my lifetime. They used to be like navel. And then those were like the size of a grapefruit. Then there was Valencia. Those got smaller than blood orange, the mandarin. And now we have the kumquat, which is so small, you can't even, you can't even peel it. So what do they do? They say, oh, eat, eat the peel. All, all of a sudden, it's okay to eat the peel. It, no other iteration of an orange do they say, eat the peel. And I'm, I'm going to, oh, I just, <laughs> it just flew out of my hand onto my computer. I'm going to, I'm going to eat it right now. It's disgusting. It's, there's no part of it that tastes good. You ever uh, accidentally eat part of an orange peel and you go, oh, that's that's what a kumquat tastes like. Oh, no, none of this is good. I don't even know where to put I ate ha- They're the size of an olive and I ate half of it. I'm not even finishing my, my kumquat. You know what these are probably good for? Fruit fights. If I was a kid and my... my my parents gave me a bag of these to bring to school. I would just start throwing them at, at. I just, that's what I would do. Who's going to pick all these up later? Kumquats. Look at this. Uh, look what it says. Adorable kumquats. I don't need my fruit to be adorable. I need my fruit to taste good. I'm tired of It's 2021 and already, already I've had enough. Episode 16, What's Wrong with Orny Adams? Yes, he does. He's got great big eyes. Orny. (laughs) I love to step on it. Put them together and what do you got? We got Orny Adams. Still throwing kumquats at the cameras. I'm still, I've had enough. Look at this. I didn't even finish this kumquat. It's a half-eaten kumquat. I don't even think the rodents would eat kumquats. It's all peel. It's disgusting. Welcome back. It's a new year, everybody. I'm going to turn this down. I'm sliding the volume down just a little bit. Ah. Well, on this episode, I yell at the TV again. Can you believe it? Everybody loves when I yell at the TV, so I'm going to continue to yell at the TV. And I have an interview with my friend uh, Jason. He's going to tell us an amazing story about uh, smuggling drugs over the Canadian border into America and being kidnapped. And that's uh, it's quite a long interview. It's over about an hour, 25 minutes. But he, uh, he's got some interesting stories. So I, I think you'll, you'll want to hear that. And uh, let's see. I've got some. Should we go right into Orny Yells at the TV? I feel like that's, that's a good way to start the show. Like it's, it's fun. It's fun when I yell at the TV. Like, I imagine people sitting there listening to this podcast thinking, I wish I was there. I wish I could watch TV with Orny. It would just be so much fun. I, I've now added, I've got three cameras in the studio. Uh, they've, and it's just me. Just me sitting here. Like, crazy. With all these cameras. And I've got to hit record on all of them. And sometimes I hit forget to hit record on the soundboard. But... Uh, it's a new year. Nothing changed, right? Didn't I tell you that? 
Nothing, nothing. Maybe it got worse. Maybe it got worse. I, I, I don't know. I just, I feel like every time I have momentum, current events just derails my enthusiasm. Like, wh- with everything that's going on, why would you even listen to this podcast? Why? why? This, it's like life or death out there, and we're going to listen to me complain about kumquats? It's absurd. My expectations are absurd. I've been putting up a lot of video. I, I, no one watches the video. Do you not want, vi- am I that hard to look at? You don't want to look at me? That playing to the cameras too much in in this studio. I'm in Big Yellow. This is my Shasta trailer. I converted it into a podcast studio. I think visually it looks really cool. And I I, I spend, I can't tell you how much time I spend. I spend so much time editing these videos because I'll, I'll, I won't know how to do something. I'm, you know, I've been, I had to teach myself how to edit video, edit audio. And I watch clips on YouTube anytime I can't figure out something. And I'll spend days. There's one clip what is it about? Oh, money counters. It's two minutes long. Took me three days to edit. And then I, I'm all excited to share it. I go, this is the clip. This is going to be the clip that launches me. And then nothing happens. Nobody watches it. And I get so bummed because I'm on such a high. I love I love the editing. So a lot of me does it for myself. And then uh, then nobody watches it and I get I get bummed. All right, let's let's do this. Let's do Orny yells at. Uh, th- I recorded this in 2020. Remember that? Right towards the end, I uh, I recorded this to play on episode 16, and I think it still holds up. And I think people love when I yell at the TV. So let's let's take a few minutes and listen to me yelling at my TV. Ring the bell. Ring the bell. You're about to hear Orny yell. You will see at his TV. Ah, 2020, where vaccine shots are covered like sporting events. Dr. Hasseltine, we have to interrupt you because it looks like Vice President Kamala Harris and her husband Doug Emhoff are walking in. Let's watch. Yes! Hello! Yes! She's walking across a stage... She greets the person who's about to give her the shot. The person about to give her a shot is wearing a face mask and a shield. Kamala Harris is not wearing a shield. They're having some small talk. Let's see if we can listen in. Thank you very much, Mr. Chairman. She shows gratitude for getting the shot. Vice President-elect Kamala Harris. Now, the absurdity of this moment is made even more absurd by this. Listen. Thank you. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> okay. More small talk. Hold on. She's explaining the process. First, she will sanitize Kamala Harris's arm, excuse me, Vice President-elect's arm, and then administer the shot. But hold on. Hold on for what makes this even more absurd in the year 2020. hear all that noise those are cameras why why are cameras making noise when you press the button to take a picture the fake shutter noise turn off that sound that's a fake sound cameras don't make sound anymore when you take a picture are we getting enough pictures of, a, of someone getting a vaccine shot are we getting it all everybody 
shot has been administered. The shot has been administered, everybody. Thank you. Joys of laughter, excitement. I barely felt it. I barely felt it. Breaking news. Vice President-elect Kamala Harris barely felt it. Okay. We will not miss you. Thank you. Well, um, I want to thank United Medical Center for the work that you do in Southeast D.C. More fake shutter noise. Serving a community that is... Don't you wish you could see me yell at my TV? What's wrong with me? What's wrong with me? That that is exactly what it's like when I'm alone watching TV. I even I sing to myself, you know, just got to keep the spirits up here. Got to keep the spirits up because the current events. When do we get our world back? When can we resume our lives, get our brains back? Like there seems to be a lot of people that don't know what to believe. What is real? A lot of conspiracy theories. And, And I can see why people. You know, it's hard to keep a clear head. It's hard to understand what's real in normal times. I don't even know what normal times are anymore. But now, forget it. Forget it. We're all losing our minds. The The amount of energy and focus it takes to do what I'm doing right now. And then I'm just done. I'm done after this. I'm done. And having all the cameras here, like I'm playing towards the cameras now. I'm thinking about the cameras. It's, it's taken away... Uh, a purity, an element that I loved before, that it was there was a singular focus, audio. Didn't matter what my hair looked like. I didn't have to shave. I got up and shaved today for this. So much to think about in modern life. It's every time I speak, you know, if you talk to me in person, I, I just let it go. And if I happen to say something privately by accident, Okay, I can retract it. But this is how absurd it's gotten. My father gave me an assignment. He read an article in The New Yorker, which led him to watching uh, and reading some stuff on war crimes in military ethics. I studied military ethics in college, so I'm very familiar with this, and I enjoyed the class. We actually had a professor that was a consultant to the White House during one of the wars. So we would get all these inside information updates, which I thought was really cool in real time. Like, you know, like if military leaders in Iraq are hanging out in, in somebody's house or they're being hidden, are the people hiding uh, that leader all of a sudden uh, targets? Are they part of the military? And we'd have these these discussions. And so my dad said, you, I don't know if you know this, but there were these trials in um, uh, J- Japan. Tokyo, Tokyo, the uh, International Military Tribunal for the Far East. The, uh, they were known as the Tokyo Trials in 1946, stemming from war crimes in, in World War II. And so he said, you got to watch this program called the Tokyo Trials. So I was watching it. And in episode, I think, four, maybe three or four, the court scenes, which were probably actual transcripts from the the actual Tokyo trials, this was a drama 
that incorporated some real clips. It was interesting. Some real clips from the actual Tokyo trials and then it, with modern actors acting it out. And I don't even know how to describe it, but yeah, I think you, you, you get the idea. And, and I know I say idea funny. Um, anyway, so I'm watching it and the tension of the Tokyo trials reminded me exactly of the scene from A Few Good Men's when he goes, you can't handle the truth. Remember that? You can't handle... You, did you order the code red? You, you want the truth? You can't... You know, Tom Cruise and Jack Nicholson. One of the greatest scenes. And my father loves that scene. So I thought, you know what? I'm going to dub over. I'm going to dub over the Tokyo... The actual Tokyo trials with th- these Japanese commanders talking and, and, and the, their lawyers and, and the tribunal uh, drilling them. And I'm going to have Tom Cruise and it's going to be dubbed. And I did it. It took, again, took days because I would slow down clips. So the, the, the mouths matched the words from a few good men. And, and I sent it to my dad. I did it as a joke. I said, I'm going to take 20 minutes to do this. And I'm doing it as a joke for my dad. And then I spent so much time doing it. I'm like, well, you know, I'm going to share with a few friends. So then I shared it with a couple of, of friends. And they're like, you got to put this up there. And I said, I, uh, they go, put it, put it on the Internet. It's just, it's so cool. I said, I can't. They said, why? I said, I think people are going to think I'm making fun of Japanese people by dubbing American voices over them. Now, I'm not kidding. This is how sensitive we've gotten. And I, I sent it. I have like an ethics committee of my own where I send this to my friends. I said, what do you think of this? Is, is this going to get me in trouble? Because, you know, I don't want to get in trouble unknowingly. I'll, I'll get in trouble if I really mean something and I'll own it. But I don't want to get in trouble because something is misconstrued. And we're so sensitive nowadays. So I, I, I sent and everyone's like, no, 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 I can't see that. I said, I, I don't know. They're going to think I'm making fun of old, you know, like Asian films where they would poorly dub these actors with American voices rather than using their voices. And, and it became this whole thing. So I didn't. I put it on YouTube so my dad could watch it over and over again because, you know, you send him anything that isn't, you know, just a, a click. He's not going to figure it out. And I sent it to a few friends and I left it as unlisted. And, you know, I should just put it out there. Nobody even watches these clips. Nobody watches clips of, of the podcast that I, I love and I work hard on. And I think they're funny. And I put, like, information in between the clips, like the one on the money counters. I... I you know, there's some misinformation. Then I put up clips, uh, like cards that say this. Is the... Oh, God, this world, it drives me nuts. It really does. So here's the thing. For people that listen to this podcast, if you search, it's unlisted. It's on YouTube. The version I made, and it's like, you know, here's my dream, that people give a shit enough about this podcast. I'm such a dumb quad that they're actually going to search for this YouTube video, but it's under, it's called the lemon trials instead of the Tokyo trials, the lemon trials, which harkens back to episode, I think 14 where the, and I have viewer mail, uh, viewer mail, listener mail. Let's come in for episode 14. It's called the lemon trials. You can search for it. It's not listed because I was afraid, you know, once again, this world has scared the, the crap out of me. I, I don't, I don't want to have to explain. I don't want to have to explain a video clip like that. But I spent a lot of time, and to me, it's funny. I, and most maybe people here don't even know the movie A Few Good Men, but it's an amazing movie with Tom Cruise, who I think is so underrated as an actor. I, I love his acting. I think he's cuckoo in real life, but you know, I don't know that for sure. I'm just saying. Good. I'll get in trouble for that. 
you're the leaf blowers out there, that's those are gas leaf blowers. They've actually been that's in the neighborhood. You can hear them echoing. They've actually uh, been banned in Los Angeles, but uh, you know nowadays there's very little law and order in this city anymore. I don't even like if if something happened. I don't know what what you're supposed to do. Who do you who do you call? Because they're dealing with so much stuff. Like get Citizen app. People are stabbing people with screwdrivers in the middle of the street. It's chaos up here. And then we have COVID. And you forget COVID is going on because you don't really see it. It's not like you see people dropping dead in the middle of the street or laying there or coughing. And it's so strange because our hospitals are filled. They're filled. We've got a, a COVID situation here. And you have to remind yourself every time you leave the house, yeah, there's something scary out there. Be careful. Be careful. Okay, let's do some, uh, and then we'll, let's get to this interview with my friend Jason. Uh, Jason and, and, uh, is, uh, and, by, and by the way, thank you, Kirk, for the uh, this episode of uh, the theme song, What's wow. Wrong with Orny Adams. Yeah. I'm going to bring that all the way down. Yeah, so anyway, thank you, Kirk, for that. Uh, and if you want to send in uh, mail, clips, questions, audio clips. I think we're setting up a, a Google number you can call into, but also um, the email is what's wrong at orneyadams.com. What's wrong at orneyadams.com. Okay, this is from Lynn. And I've asked, I think I've asked Lynn if I can read this. Um, in episode 14, you state that the Immaculate Conception, remember I told a joke, I said, uh, you know, it's very selfish of Jesus to be born on the 25th. If he had been born closer to New Year's Eve, we could have combined the holidays. There would have been less time off. And, and, and we could get back to work because we're already taking time off from taking time off. And so I thought it'd be funny if I said, you know, if they just if they could have just delayed the Immaculate Conception. Well, it turns out the Immaculate Conception uh, has nothing to do with Jesus being born. Lynn points this out. Um, this would have made no difference because the EC, I guess that's the Immaculate Conception, is not Jesus, but is a fact, uh, it is a reference to his mother, Mary, who was conceived without original sin. And she said, you probably don't know this because it's not your religion. However, uh, I had a former Catholic nun for a mother, so it was immaculately beaten into my brain. So I said, wait a minute, how do you, how do you have a nun as a mother? I thought nuns can't have kids. And then she said, well, she went all the way. To, it was like the sound of music. I had this long email. It's like the sound of music. She went all the way to the last step of becoming a nun and then, and, and then didn't become a nun. Ugh. Thank you, Lynn. Thank you for uh, listening and commenting. Uh, I wish there were more more people like you out there, Lynn. This is from uh, Jeannie. Janine. I won't say her last name. Happy New Year. I was going to post a comment on Twitter where I follow you, but had too much to say. Here in Illinois, working at home, I've been listening to your podcast on daily walks or breaks and lunches and replaying them for my husband at night in the car. This is, this is a good fan. Good listener. I hate to call you guys fans, because I consider you friends. Uh, I think fan is such a weird, presumptuous, obnoxious, narcissistic word. But uh, anyway, Lynn is a fan. <laughs> We've been loving all of them. But episode 14 really made an impact on me and caused me to send this. I feel like I should be taking notes uh, myself during your podcast, because there's so much good I want to remember. Uh, if I go back to listen to certain ones. Well, that'd be nice if somebody archived this. Then we could refer to it. 
Uh, you're a natural at this. Can't believe your fans. Fa- oh, she used the word fans. Can't believe your fans are lucky enough to get this during COVID when we can't see you in person. And I, I agree. You guys are lucky to get this. You're lucky. Now I'm getting cocky. She's right. You're lucky. And then what do you guys do? What do you guys do? You don't even watch the videos I post. Are you sharing this with people? I mean, I know the, the, I know how many people are listening. A lot more people are listening to this than watching the videos, which I post on Twitter, Instagram. God knows what's going on on Instagram. I don't think three-quarters of the people that follow me on Instagram even sp- speak English as their first language. I don't think they... Because a lot of the comments just say, Hi, Coach. Best trainer ever. Trainer. I go, that's, that's not America. We call him Coach. And some people say, I don't even know what you're saying. I... Could we all just speak English? I wish I spoke every language. English is, maybe English shouldn't even be the one language. Maybe Italian, it's beautiful. Maybe that should be the one language for the world. I don't even care what it is. I don't even care what the one language is anymore. Anyway, um, so what did she say here? This is Lynn, she's my fan. We came across your Showtime special, More Than Love. Loved hearing on your podcast how proud you are of it. I am, and you definitely should be. All of your specials are great. We ordered them all online. We, I wish you guys would do that, too. We immediately started following you on Twitter and your tour schedule. Being in the Midwest, we've only seen you in Kentucky in 2019. I don't even remember being in Kentucky in 2019 or ever. And in Chicago in 2020, that's for sure. Last, Yeah, last year at this time I was in Chicago, and I'd probably be in Chicago right now if there wasn't COVID. Um we discussed making a drive to Chicago to see you in 2021. The five, it's a five-hour drive. Blah, 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 blah. We are so glad we came to Chicago. The Chicago Improv Club was awesome. I've got to play you uh, clips of the last time I was at Chicago uh, when the owner forgot to pick me up from media. I've got to play that clip. The Chicago Improv was awesome. We met other fans and stood around before the show and after talking with them about where we had seen you and when. Uh, they said they saw you in Chicago several times, and all it's always different material. Listen to that, people. We all talked about how you start a show with something and then tie it back at the end. That's what I do. I try and do it on the podcast. It was pretty clear to them and us that your fans are loyal and appreciate your talents. And, and I agree with that. The, the people that do follow me are very loyal, and they're very good to me. Now go out and have offspring and force them to listen to my stuff and follow me and become fans. Go procreate with fans. But until I listened to your podcast, especially episode 14, I didn't realize all you put into your career, stand-up shows and podcasts. It was so interesting to listen to all that goes into it. Your attention to detail, the sound setup, the notes you take, what's in your mind, hours spent getting things just right. This really explains why you were so good and why the podcast are as great as the stand-up. I hope you keep doing them. It was incredibly impressive at the end of prior, uh, at the end of maybe 13, you said that you don't know how long you're going to keep doing them. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure this is my last one. <laughs> I really am. I'm just, I can't, my head is all over the place. I probably shouldn't be doing this podcast today. I feel like I was fighting a cold for the last week with my fat head. Anytime I have a fat head, it means it's a precursor for a cold. But what am I doing? I'm just continuing. I'm just getting, I thought, and I, I want to get this out this week because it's been, you know, since December 31st that I've, uh, I put out one. And so I'm forcing myself and my notes are all over the place. I really have spent the last week just 
you know, figuring out all these video cameras and how to edit multicam and how to sync up the sound and getting the lighting right and, and ordering all new equipment. And this is costing me a fortune. And guess what I'm making on this podcast? <laughs> Nothing. I'm losing. And, and, and let's get back to the, uh, the email. This is uh, from Janine. Probably saying it wrong. J-E-A-N-N-I-N. E. They all Janine's all spell it differently. Let's get together and and figure that out. Um, your attention to detail. This really It was incredibly impressive at the. Uh, I read that already. Uh, uh, she said uh, you talk about not doing them anymore, but uh, you're helping us survive in this time. For those that are listening means a lot because I do think you are reaching out and making an impact on a lot of people, not just with laughter, but with more about you as a person. You are a voice we need uh, in these quiet days. The part about your parents sending you checks, blah, 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 blah. Um, I've often shared the YouTube links with other people. That I don't believe. I'm not kidding. It's like nobody, nobody watches me on YouTube. That YouTube channel is a failure. I mean, I know people that have never even been on TV and they have more people watching their videos. And I'm not saying being, you know what I'm saying. My head is, I'm out of it today. Uh, let's see. I did not, she, Lynn is concluding. I did not intend to go on this long, but I hope you uh, keep doing these podcasts. Thank you, uh, uh, Janine. Not Lynn. Thank you, Janine. Uh, you've got episode 16. And I did ask permission if I could read that that email. And she said, absolutely. Okay, let's, let's get into this uh Interview. Let's play a little music. There we go. A little hit it. A little instrumental. Let's get. Uh, let's bring it down. Let's get into this interview. This is very interesting. This is my friend Jason. Let's cut the music. This is my friend Jason. So I was watching this show with Mariana Van Zeller. It's called um, Traffic. It's a show called Traffic. It's a great show. I encourage you to watch it. I think it's on Nat Geo. She is unbelievable. Just gutsy. And really does a great interview. Interesting. Interesting. And so she was talking about these people smuggling drugs out of Peru in backpacks. And they're they're called um, mochilla, which is the Spanish word for backpack. And I thought, I know, I know somebody that's done that before. I know somebody who smuggled drugs in a backpack. My friend Jason. I said, I need to call Jason because he's got these amazing stories. Maybe he'll come on the podcast and tell them he was kidnapped. He was beaten. Now, I, I've, I've talked about Guest Unknown, which is a podcast I've been working on where I interview guests anonymously that have these incredible stories that, you know, they'll be more open in the conversation if I don't use their name. And I offered that to Jason. You'll hear that at the beginning of, of the interview. But he chose to use his name. He says his last name. I bleeped it just you know, because there's no reason for you to know it. But also, we videotape the entire interview. So there are clips on YouTube and Instagram and Twitter and Facebook of of parts of the interview. So thank you, Jason, for, for sharing that much of yourself. Also, at one point, Jason uses the term uh, ex post facto. And I, I think he got it incorrect, you know, because it's, it's Latin. I mean, he barely knows English. <laughs> Anyway, ex post facto 
is when a uh, you retroactively punish somebody for for a crime, meaning it wasn't criminal at the time they committed it, but you retroactively say now it is criminal and we're going to charge you. And in most cases, it's this is illegal. And I, I think he was trying to say um, statute of limitations. The statute of limitations on these the, the crimes he committed is up. And I'll read this. This is from uh, Charles Doyle. He's a uh, he's a senior specialist in American law. And I got this off the internet. A statute of limitation dictates the time period within which a legal proceeding must begin. To purpose, the purpose of a statute of limitations in a criminal case is to ensure the prompt prosecution of criminal charges and thereby spare the accused of the burden of having to defend against stale charges after memories may have faded or evidence is lost. So, in other words, if you steal a candy bar from the 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 the, the corner store when you're 17 years old, and, and they come and you're now 55, and they say, uh, "Hey." We now want to prosecute. You go, no, no, there's a statute of limitations. You can't do that. Or if you're chasing, you go, whoa, whoa, ex post facto is a real thing. <laughs> you're going to hear the interview starts off with a lot of a laughter. Jason's a good friend. And we open up discussing a medallion I'm wearing around my neck. It's a name medallion that says Big Yellow, which is the name of the studio that I record this podcast in. It's a converted Shasta trailer called Big Yellow. So we're laughing and looking at this medallion that a listener was kind enough to have made for me. I am accepting gifts. Enjoy the interview with my friend Jason. Hold on, I want to play music. Hold on. I'll say that again. Enjoy the interview with my friend Jason. That's the wrong music. Hold on. Enjoy the interview with my friend Jason. Oh, I have to show you this. Wait. Look, at, look at this. That's what this is called, Big Yellow. The studio is called Big Yellow. No, is that real? No, I don't think. Somebody just gave it to me yesterday. Oh, my God. It almost looks <laughs> It almost looks real. <laughs> Wait, but that's your chain. Or is it not no, your chain? No. No, somebody just gave this to I me yesterday. I remember if you had a chain before, but it looks so natural on you because the Big Yellow is under your shirt. Yeah, yeah. So you, you look like a natural in the chain. Look at that. Yeah, you make jewelry. Yeah, and, I, and then I thought, did he have me get him a chain? I couldn't <laughs> you remember. Did, do you remember you gave me a pair of sunglasses? You lent me a pair of sunglasses. They were um, blue lenses, which I still love, and then they were diamond encrusted and yeah. white gold. And I was dumb enough to bring them to South Africa. You were just taking them back to where their original. Home. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> they were yeah. very comfortable. There. I did a joke when I was in South Africa. I'm like, how do you propose to a woman? In South Africa, because it doesn't matter what you give her. She's like, uh, why don't you go in the backyard and keep digging? <laughs> I think you can get a bigger diamond than that. And people were offended by that joke. And that was 10 years ago. It hits too close to home. I, I That was 10 years ago. Can you imagine how offensive that joke is today? Somebody's angry. I'll post this and somebody will get angry. <laughs> They'll get angry. I don't know why. I don't know why people get upset all, all the time and stuff. Do you want to uh, do you want to say your name today, or do you want to remain anonymous? We'll say it, and then if we if it goes really down the wrong yeah, path or we'll somewhere where, uh, yes, my name is Jason. I don't like saying my last name just because I, I don't like the sound of it, and it's hard to say. Yeah. Hey, do you remember where we met? 
It was basketball for sure. Wow, you have a good memory. Was it? Was it the the old Korean church upstairs? No, the first time we met. The, by the way, the, the old Korean church upstairs had a, had a basketball. That <laughs> sounds a that little. Nobody, nobody ever swept. It was. I mean, we we had a friend who paid to rent this basketball court every Tuesday, oh. and half the time, it was. We had to break into the church. We had to like climb in through windows. We had to like clip locks. Yeah, or find the security guard that was wandering the premise somewhere. Yeah. And it was just, it, yeah, it was holding a real, an actual real basketball court on yeah. the, in the third story of this church. Or so three. bizarre. It I don't even know. So but bizarre. that wasn't where we met then. Not that court. What mm. court was it? You got this. Was the was the Fairfax? No. I, court? I, no, that I, was way later. I think we met at uh, a game put together by David Arquette. At Was it at his house and Shandling was there? That no, no. This was like a Malibu or something. Definitely, I met Mike there. I, I just assumed you were there. No, it is then. I just, I, yeah. I, I, my, my chronology and you and I have played now at, 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 even though we haven't played in years. I don't know if we, we played hundreds of games, I think. Almost. First of all, you're very good at basketball. I'm the guy. I still have nightmares about <laughs> somehow I get the ball and, and, and it's me. I have a fast break. It's just me all alone. I just have to make a layup. All I have to do is go like this and plunk. And the balls, it's at the uh, it's at the fifty yard line again. It's at mid court. Yeah, and, <laughs> and once you have a couple of those, it just it really haunts you. Your confidence is gone. Yeah, no, you almost need a, an actual sports therapist to continue to play recreational sports. <laughs> but di- didn't we? Didn't wasn't that like one of those? Cor- we played in a Korean church. Wasn't that like there were like dead areas on the floor? Or like you dribble and you'd keep going, but the ball stuck there, the ground, or even better. The so all those things are true, and the 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 rims, the where the hoops were, the wall right behind it was like three inches off. So right. it was like you had you couldn't just go straight. You had to come in at an angle, right? So you could land and not hit the hit the back wall, and then the side walls. The court was so narrow, the, the out of bounds was the wall, right? Like that was it. So we it was almost like playing <laughs> in a larger racquetball court. Right. And this this wasn't like a passive group of people. These were some tough guys we were playing with. Yeah, no. And and by the way, you are always real tough on yourself. You're you're good. You hustled, you knew how to play, you knew the you knew what you wanted to do. The question is, yeah, a run, breakaway layups. <laughs> with everybody watching and you like you're about to go and you'd hear one of your teammates go Oh, no. (laughs) I didn't even get it off. You go, oh, like you just, you know. Well, then all the other stuff, the other the other side yelling at you, too. Yeah. Yeah. But the the thing is that um, you're very good at basketball and and there is a psychology of of that game. Uh, that, you know, and once you get in your head, which I've been now for several years, <laughs> I remember by the end, it was just, we were so old. We just, sh- we'd have the court for like an hour. We'd show up for 20 minutes. We'd all like, you know, wrap our knees and our elbows and put our braces on yep. and then go re-injure ourselves. Yeah, that's, that's it. Yeah. The, 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 you guys are all very good. I shouldn't have been there. <laughs> I, sh- I shouldn't have been there. Well, I won't. I can't comment on that, but I can say that you definitely should have been on the basketball court because you were never the worst player, even close. Well, because I like to put my body into it. So if some, if one of you, one of you guys was coming full speed and bigger than me, you're taller than me. I would just, I'd go up. I didn't get, I didn't give a shit, and I'd fly into the wall. Like I love, I like people that put their ball. That's what I loved about Larry Bird. He, you know, he yeah. would die for the ball. 
Well, and so I think I could. People can tell that about you, which is which is a form of defense in its own way. That I'm psychotic. Yeah, like I don't know if this guy actually knows that it's not okay to flying body tackle me while I'm going up for this layup. So I'm just gonna pull up for a quick jump shot. The best part is, like, I don't know if you can see Jason's got all these tattoos, but you can see he's lived a very different life than me, and. Everybody on that court, I mean, when the when fights would break out, it would get sort of like, okay, this is <laughs> this might this might not end well. Uh, yeah, no, I was always cool with that. <laughs> yeah, um, but here's what I think is interesting, and sort of why I wanted to bring you in today, because you know we grew up in very different climates. Where, where did you grow up? I was, I was, I'm a fourth generation Angelino. And my son's fifth. So I grew up at, I was born in Glendale and then grew up in, in LA, all over LA. And did you go to college? I did. Humboldt State. Uh, my dad said, uh, I'll cover in-state tuition. Hmm. Uh, you, you leave the state, you're paying for it. So I did a tour and then went as far as I could because that's 80 miles just south of yeah. Uh, Oregon. Yeah, but I don't, I don't know. I don't know how different our lives are. I mean, if you take away my tattoos, I don't know. I don't know. I... <laughs> <laughs> You've told me some stories, which is why I thought of you, because I was watching this show with uh, Mariana Van Zeller. I think that's her name. Yeah. She's, she does a show called Trafficked, and it's always about either counterfeiting or drugs, this whole underworld. And yeah. I've always, for some reason, and I don't know what it is, the underworld has always accepted me. Like, even when we played basketball, there's sort of, it was known not to go after me. Like, like there was always, like, the big guys would protect me, and I felt that my whole life. And you and I sort of had this, you know, this connection. And I don't know if it's because I don't, I, I just don't judge people. I know everybody has a story. I know everyone's been there and they, they end up here and it's really where they end up. And I always knew you had a good heart, but I just suspected you, you lived this different life. And when I was watching this particular episode on smuggling cocaine, which by, by the way, <laughs> by the way, they, these people, they take cocaine, like they'll grow it in Peru, then they have to get it to uh, Colombia, which sounds like that's even another country that's tough to get out of. And then they bring it to Mexico. Like, there's like eight stops to get it, like, and they have to, like, it's it's on a plane that gets shot down, then somebody takes it <laughs> in, in a car for for 10 miles, then it's 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 in somebody's pants, and somebody swallows it and gets on a flight, and, and I think, maybe I need to try harder at what I do, because... <laughs> Like, like, I don't even want to go to Erie, Pennsylvania, because I have to get on a, a shitty little small connection flight. But what they do to get drugs here. But <laughs> from Peru to Colombia, they they would put it in backpacks. They were In Spanish, it's, it's called mochila. Mochila, yeah. Oh, well, see, you know. Yeah. And I thought, <laughs> I think I know one of these guys that did this, that brought drugs over a border in a backpack. Yeah, well... It- Let's just clarify real quick, uh, cause, just because I, I do always feel like... You just don't want to use your name? A moral... Mi nombre es Pablo. No, uh, there was always a moral distinction. So, uh, yes, I did uh, transport large amounts of marijuana, but mm-hmm. over the, our northern border uh, right. in, in Canada. So, just... Uh, there was always a, an idea of are we destroying somebody's life just at the at the base of of any action I have in my life and I I always felt like marijuana was a victimless crime so yes but you you're correct you're right and I was saying you and I are like actually I just meant in our base like we probably come get closer from, now you're getting interesting get closer to the microphone probably probably you and I share the same 
life growing up to a certain point. I think we probably come from similar backgrounds mm -hmm. and, and uh, beliefs and, and things like that. Uh, I just took a took a bit of a turn. <laughs> As a mochila. As a mochila, yeah. Well, actually, mochila. So that's right. I can't remember which stories I, I exactly told. So uh, if there's anything specific you remember. But yes, there was a there was a point. So just let's just start this a bit in the beginning. So okay. I uh, I went to Humboldt State, came back down. What year is this? This is uh, – so I, I'll have to do some math with, with you right now. So 95, I graduate high school. So let's say about – 1999, let's say four years. Now, while I'm at Humboldt State, they're renowned for marijuana, of course. Um, and so I didn't have a college job. So I would uh, specifically because I would take some marijuana from Humboldt State and drive it down to my friends at UCLA hmm. and sell it to them and stay for three, four days and make like a thousand bucks and then drive back up to school. So that was my summer job. And I would live, oh. I'd live off that. So while everyone else was washing dishes, it was just minor. I'd stick yeah. it in my subwoofer and I'd drive 10 hours you know, from, from Humboldt right down to uh, UCLA. So kind of dipped my toe in the water, but I was always a bit of a rule breaker. I mean, I, there wasn't really too many things. I would look at uh, more of a moral distinction, again, opposed right. to I have a natural proclivity to wanting to break But how, do, how does it go from you're taking small amounts of marijuana and, and selling them to your friends to now lugging this stuff over the borders? You told me it would take a yeah. long time and it was hard work. You know, the mochilas, which I still can't say, but you say were the, you know. Mochia, yeah. <laughs> mochia, yeah. <laughs> the, these guys are all like 17 years old because it's, it's first of all, they're in altitude, but yeah. physically, how long would it take? Okay, we just did some simple math, and it, so it, this is not. I would almost guarantee anyone that I've known that's been in this industry. Actually, most of them still stayed in it. They asked me why I re I did it three years and retired without a parking ticket. Mm. But it was really out of respect of uh, of my family because and the, my two other friends from college. This is who I started that business with, and I cannot name them obviously or speak for them. But uh, we we decided that we were going to hit a certain numeric mark or or within a, a either a time frame or a monetary mark and we were going to use that to do other business. So mm -hmm. that was always from day one. That's the other thing. I've met a lot of people out here. We're in Los Angeles, California that sort of made their money somewhere else. It's always murky, it's mysterious, <laughs> but now they're producers, now they've they've, you know, transitioned into something else. And that seems to be the, the smart business plan. You know, one of the mochilas in Peru <laughs> is going to go to dental school. That's what he told Mariana Van Zeller. Boom. That's yeah. what it's all about. Yeah. So yeah. You, you got it. You're yeah. Just... It's your nest egg. It's uh, You're making your own nest egg. So, well, even better. It's a but here's the other thing. When I called you, I called you last week and I said, listen, I'm doing this podcast. I interview people. You can remain anonymous if you want and tell this story. And you said, you said what did you say? Uh, what did I say? You said it's been seven years. Oh, ex post facto. Oh, yeah. No, it's been it's been almost twenty years. Right. So you don't worry about the statute. So I don't worry. So if you know you can't, I, I never. Which is great because I know I never physically harmed anyone either. So if those are there's there are particular things like murder or you know. But you've been know. harmed, right? Oh, I, yeah. You yeah. were kidnapped. I'm sure. Once. Yes, I was kidnapped. Okay, but let's Maybe, before we get into that. So so to. Drop back just a little bit. So as you as you said, everyone producers and all these people and their murky backgrounds in Hollywood and, and Los Angeles in general. I, I do feel like that there is a lot of that. Uh, a lot of people with, you know, sometimes it's a trust fund, sometimes it's a drug dealer, sometimes it's yeah. a, 
but it's a pimp sometimes. Yeah, I mean it's it's the whole it's the whole oh, variety. Oh, I know. That's it, what I'm saying. I'm just like you my know, agent is who I started buying marijuana with. <laughs> this is the, so this this ties directly into all this. My agent, so I was a a a uh, model and an and a commercial actor. I never got any. By, by the way, I never made anywhere near enough money to live on it. Right. I mean, I I tried. I started becoming a model because my mother. That when I come back, came back down from Humboldt State, she goes, "You're my son's so handsome." She entered me into a modeling class. I went to it down by wow. the airport and sat through this thing. And essentially, they tell you how to do Z cards. What a scam! And you buy a book, and but you send the Z cards out to the in the back of this thing has the addresses. What's a Z card? Uh, uh, the the headshot cards. They oh. were modeling Z cards, and yeah. there was a headshot in the front. You flip them over, and there'd be like three more tiny shots on yeah. the back. And uh, there was addresses to agencies, and I did it. I got an f- agent like that somehow. Ended up in Peru in the Amazon jungle with my agent, who was the youngest registered SAG agent in the history of SAG. And he starts telling me that he's funded his entire agency, which no longer exists, on grow houses in, Mar- in Los Angeles. So, I, so I'm, in a, I'm in a tiny little wooden boat in Peru. We've drugs down another pharmacies. We've loaded up yeah. on pharmaceutical drugs. We're ni- I'm like 19. Or twenty, and we're cruising through the Amazon thing, and he's so loaded. He t- on pills. He tells me that his agency that yeah. is taking talent from all major, all these major, major people, smaller talent, but nonetheless, yeah. like the, the mid level agencies, the talent agencies for commercial acting and and things like that. They're taking all this talent away from other people. This guy tells me he's funded it off grow houses that are spotted around Los Angeles County. Do you think people like that look down on people like me that? really do it the straight way like i now i'm thinking of maybe getting into this maybe, <laughs> am i too old to lug marijuana over the border or reverse you get stand you're in amazing shape by you know, the time I, you're done i tried i gave it a shot i tried to be <laughs> do this as honestly as possible and as ethically and morally not that you know selling drugs why are you in peru with this guy was that a job it, it was a modeling gig there was it was like really? my, and he knows i went to humboldt state and we we bro out mm-hmm. we come home and and uh he, and he's like well you do you want to help me sell and so i had been in call co- i just got out of college i was taking stuff over to ucla and a couple of my friends so i said yeah i think i can do this and i'm just trying to i'm working construction at the time wait a minute your agent booked you as a as a mo- mochila, as a, no no yes, and we reversed it. Yes, we we went from legitimate work, <laughs> like you just said, reversed into the other way. And he and we decided uh, we started doing some math and uh, how the no, a quick class of marijuana economy, which relevant to today. Yeah, Canada used to be like we are now before recreational when it was commer- uh, uh, re- um, medicinal. Mm-hmm. Slap on the wrist in Canada. This is years ago. When you would go do jail time in California for the same thing. So they had warehouses up there before we ever did. Hmm. And a controlled environment and indoor marijuana is much more valuable. So they were just ahead of the game They because of laws. So if you could buy it there, it was the cheapest place. That was a source, was Canada. And then you have to cross a couple of these state borders in order to get back down to where we live. Hmm. So we had staging in Seattle, uh in uh, Washington. Who are you getting the drugs from? We went straight to the source like fucking maniacs. Like 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 an idiot child would come up with a plan <laughs> and it worked. <laughs> no, it was an idiot child plan. Here's the plan. 
who where is it the cheapest well this is who makes it up in canada okay how do we get up there who, who's running it who is it is Me it and mafia? My agent. no but is it mafia running the canadian side well it's the a whole, source it's for the marijuana whole economy so th- so this was essentially urban farmers i don't know who is operating them yeah. i mean when we would go in there it would be just a dude in a warehouse growing things and we would prepay and pick out things we want we would cherry pick you're like, oh, that stuff looks good. This is the best. We would prepay. How much are you? How much yeah. are you putting and out? You got to remember, and it's still to this day, usually drugs and things like that. There's a lot of loaning, a lot of the on the arm, you know, yeah. all these things. We were the opposite. We were like, we'll pay you now for that stuff that's not even done. That's that's the next iteration of. Hmm. So we were treated like a golden goose because we were. So we had clean business going on for three years, about three years. But you, that's a good way to get stiffed. No, because you make more money if I come back. You can stiff me oh. one time, you get that money. Great. But if I come back every week... I don't have the right mind for this. I mean, I, I just realized I can't go into this I mean, it, it, I'm not even thinking right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we learned this. This is, like I said, like, like, like idiot children. Like if I was a drug dealer, I'd be like, I think you should slow down. <laughs> I think you should. Listen, I'm going to sell you this, but you got to slow down, really. You got a wife, you got kids, you know. But it was all became a bit interconnected because... Um, uh, so anyway, so we, we, we said, here's where it's the cheapest. We need to get up there. And so we just wandered up and asked people that we knew that were in, like we, my agent knew someone in Seattle. Wow. And so we asked them and we started buying stuff from them. We'd drive it all the way home. But the, the monetary amount, the difference you make from getting it closer to the source. And of course, it's always, but it's literally, we call them fruit stands crossing the state lines. Those, every time you cross one, the, the number on the on the, the pound or whatever unit you're talking about goes up. Yeah. Always. So the further up you get it, the less taxes. Well, there that's are. like diamonds, right? You got the, the people that, that cultivate them from the earth. Yep. And then they sell them to the guys that cut them. And then the cutters sell it to the retailers yeah. that sell it to so the just, name brand places. So each step of the way, it just increases in value. The same product yeah. just keeps multiplying so if you can beat so, the guy. So a product bought, here's a monetary example way back in the day, it was buying something for 1500 or, or no, 1000 and it gets shipped over for 1500 in our hands in the States. We would sell it for 3000 bucks. We'd make $2,000 on a pound. Mm. That is like, that's unheard of. So how many pounds are you, so wait a minute, you're loading it up. What you told me was you put it in no. your uh, so backpack we, yeah, yeah. or a big so, so you buy like a, it in Canada. So hockey bag. Use a hockey bag. That's exactly what they use. They use ho- they're Canadians. You, you see, you're a natural. <laughs> I'm ready. <laughs> get ready. I'm ready. Go. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get the ones with wheels, and I'm gonna wheel yeah. right through the the forest. Yeah. yeah. We just got to do a lot of yoga before we go, <laughs> even with the wheelies. Um. So, so hockey bag. So yeah. you, you we pick out the stuff we want. They bag it all up for us. They get it over. But the first time, the first couple times. They told us they wanted to see if we had any balls, and we had to do it ourselves. Mm. So then we had to take these hockey bags, which fit about 30 pounds in each, like stuff full. Right. So you'd have 30 pounds in each bag. So it's not light. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had to carry it over the border one time. Or, or I did it once. Uh, my other people did it, uh, or my other friends did it uh, two times. And when you say over the border, what? what? Literally. Like yeah. there's an imaginary line that, that, that yeah. we- t- Man-made. <laughs> Yeah, but but is it forest? So listen, listen to how fucking stupid we were. <laughs> Here's our plan: they go have yeah. some balls. Okay. Once you do a couple things, we'll set you up with a delivery service, which uh, 
I don't even want to say it's a it's a it's a does it rhyme with edX? <laughs> <laughs> rhymes with uh, uh, don't say. I don't even want to say. Don't say. I don't even want to get in trouble don't with say. them. Uh, don't. But but a, a very well known criminal organization that that is, works in Canada was was just overseeing our transport. Never really had to see him too many times. Bunch wow. of bikers. Hmm. There's 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 a couple factions up there. Or there were. Mm-hmm. I'm out of the. I'm right. rusty. I'm 20 years almost retired. So. Right. Um, Are they paying off and we border were j- patrol? No, 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 no. It's uh, it's usually uh, fish trucks, like they uh-huh. stu- under ice, under fish, or the, it's the hikers. The, the, the hikers were the primary best uh-huh. way to do it. So they so they made us before they ever let it, let them do that. So the first time we did it, we we went to the gas station and we grabbed just maps, just the maps at the gas station. Yeah, and we have walkie fucking talkies. <laughs> And we have a car on one side and a car. We have a, our own little small squad of, of right. four people, five people. Uh, one does drop off. Two of us hop out. Another one picks us up. Both sides have walkie talkies. It make there's a thousand there's a thousand reasons all of this is totally stupid. And how far do you have to walk with it? So we walked about less than a mile because oh. we looked at this map. We look, literally looked at the map and we go. Okay, where's the closest points where the road is? You're hits? not a mochila. Well, that is a mochila. It's just no, a you dumb just one. Half a mile. <laughs> but the, we're not. There's no uh, distance. In uh, Peru, gauge. you get killed. Like in Peru. Oh yes, yeah, not yeah, a whole other thing. Yeah, yeah, like they they made it. Like they, uh, I guess Pablo Escobar used to fly planes over uh, to Medellin with the drugs, yeah. and then they said, "Well, you can now shoot down planes, even if you just suspect." So they just started shooting planes at. Could be drug dealers. So they said, all right, we're going to walk it over the border. Because you couldn't do cars because yeah. they're stopping cars. So then they got these kids, these 17-year-old, you know, pre-dental school kids to, uh, you know, back. And then they get held up at gunpoint by, like, gangs. and. Oh, and, no, it's and, a whole other thing. Uh, but there's a reason. I like- mean, you're over there modeling. So I should have known right then and there. You weren't. Of course, you're doing a half mile walk across some border. You know. Well, that's also because uh, the the other people that did it professionally, like actually carried our stuff over. They have five five mile, ten mile, mile routes. I thought you were doing. No, like we're idiots. They, they just they just said they literally said they, they were like, how do we get it over? They go, well, you're going to take it over twice. And we're going to see if you have any balls. And but you then, own the stuff, didn't yeah, you? So yeah, then, whose business is it? It's ours. If we lose it, it's ours. Yeah. So well, what that's are they, even better. You so why are they challenging you? Why, why, don't not, they, why don't they just go, hey, here are your drugs. Goodbye. Why do they care about you once you've left? Well, because we're we are prepaying. Mm-hmm. So they want, they want we're, we're the best client you could ever have. Uh-huh. We're, we're not going to rob you. We're not going to – our money came counted in nice, neat stacks and uh, vacuum sealed. It was mm. like even further compressed. You had a, a brick of money that had a – you know, two hundred k on it, written on it, or whatever. Right. We had them all in different denominations, so it was such a pain in the ass to recount money. You just you have to count it, focus. Did you have one of those count? You know what I love the people you can't, that no, 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 but people do. But that is a federal offense to have a unregistered money counter. So if you're trying to not get arrested, and if you go, I'm going to get arrested. Let's say yeah. I want to have the least amount of offenses sitting on my thing, so that we had no guns. Huh. Because you, you, it's a, it's even if you have a registered gun, but you're committing felonies, you, it, there's, there's a law, there's some kind of law against that. So we, we were no guns, no money counters, nothing. We had to count money by hand. Yeah, but doesn't Staples sell like a Pickney bow type, whatever count? I feel like you can buy them for now. sure. Okay, 
But it's still it is still an offense, or it was oh. not having a money counter. Well, what's funny is you guys are hauling drugs over a border, and you're worried about having a money counter. I I'm mean, worried about it's, how, yeah. it's funny what laws yeah. you, you know you adhere to, and the other ones that you just go. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm walking this over. Hey, what's in the bag? Not a money counter. <laughs> Not a money counter. You mind your own business. Meanwhile, I'm I'm worried that our border patrol isn't checking the borders a mile away. I mean, <laughs> what, what? I don't know. They were they were doing a terrible job that night. I mean, oh, that's we what had I'm them saying. By us, we were literally hiding in a, on a behind a big bush yeah. on the side of the road once we got over there. Yeah, um, and it was a terrible way to pick a route. Which was the where's the shortest distance to walk. <laughs> Uh, in hindsight, it's just it's terrible. So I, in my head, I built this up that you were walking uh, through some forest and it was raining and there are ponds and and you know and you had to camp and it was days and it turns out it's a half mile and then you're back in the the air conditioned car, you know. Well, that was just mine. Rates. Yes, yeah. no, the, the the one after was a couple was maybe two miles. I didn't do that one because I'm a fantastic planner. Uh-huh. So I said I'll take the short one. But it was just, it was just. I guarantee this is what I, I it's figured. It's so stupid looking. If you had a camera there, it'd be embarrassing, like watching this. No, I, I, I figured it out. The Border Patrol, they're checking like 10 miles down the road, 20 miles down the road. They're like, nobody is stupid enough to just exit the trail a half mile after going over the border. There's no way. I have dumber stories than that. Let's hear it. Yeah. Is it. Is the adrenaline must be amazing. It's, it, it is. It's, you know, because we didn't do anything but pretty much win when we did it. So there was never any terrible. All the, the, the stories that, that I think uh, we're going to talk to when I was, when bad stuff happened to me was actually right after I was done. Like, yeah, let's get to the bad shit. Because honestly, right now, I'm thinking you're not as big a badass as I thought you were. <laughs> I thought you were this tough guy with all these tattoos. And, and it turns out you're walking a half a mile with a, with a bag. I, I'm With sorry. a designer hockey bag. Probably... Wayne Gretzky's old bag that you bought uh, at a memorabilia store. Louis Vuitton luggage. (laughs) That's badass. You want to tell me about the time you were kidnapped? So, so, uh, so being, so we, I, we go through this whole thing and, and, uh, we, we do this business and we, and we we're done and everyone goes their ways and all of us go on to do various businesses. And, uh, so I still had those contacts though. My friends that I essentially coworkers, these, Mm -hmm. this unit of people, I'm still in contact with actually a lot of them because I, I, you know, the same way that you've met me, I've behaved, you know, maybe like a wilder version, but same me. So I, I always knew there was a seedy element about you, though. Yeah, no, there's a- because I'm, I don't know if you remember this, but one, <laughs> you're the type of guy that I'll call if I need something that my friends don't have. Yeah, and so I actually like getting those phone calls because I have known a few people like that, and I always admired that yeah. they had the ability to solve any problem. Well, because one time I had trouble with somebody I was <laughs> I was, having, I was doing business with and they had something of mine and wouldn't give it back. And you just said very casually, um, do you want me to get it for you? <laughs> and, I, and I thought, do I want to owe this guy a favor? You know, it's, And that's what I do. I collect favors. Yeah. My, I do have a fantastic uh, network and uh, I it's from doing 10 favors for every one I ask for. Yeah. Um, but as I love having my friends and because you know, we didn't have guns and any of that stuff during that that phase. I had to do collections or money counters or money counters just to be for the record. Because I don't know what the statute of limitation is <laughs> on having used money counters, but it's probably more than twenty years. 
So for the record, he never say it. You never used a money counter. No, never. And you never would. You're a man of ethics. No, nope. you not. You're going to count your money by hand. Yeah, that's... just like you brought those drugs over by hand. <laughs> we do everything by hand, and that's how I had to do collections. Yeah. I didn't. We didn't have a gun, uh, so it was a lot of theatrics and a lot of like. Well, I actually, and then I did have to go and force. You have to convince someone when they don't want to pay you your money that their rent is less important than paying you. Because otherwise, you just yeah. get thrown behind their girlfriend's birthday mm-hmm. and their. What are you collecting money bill. for? Well, when you give people mm-hmm. the the marijuana, the weed, mm-hmm. they got to pay you. So, you, my favorite people were like us. They pay right then and there. But if anyone listening to this that's ever sold any drugs knows that, <laughs> my God, it's like I've ever bought drugs. From yeah, you. <laughs> well, not for me. No, no. I was. I only had uh, about a rotating five clients because huh. I was like Costco. I would sell you a hundred pounds. Mm. I wouldn't sell you. One pound. That's when would even fuck with it. That's a, actually a pretty good point you just made. Costco should sell weed. I, 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 and if you're if they listen to this, I would gladly come in and oversee their. Uh, I'd like a part out. of that too. Yeah, because it is medicinal. I could see it in the the medicine. You know, with the five thousand. You know, uh, baby baby dose. Uh, what is it, aspirin? Mm-hmm. What am I? Th- I don't even go to a Costco. I don't. I don't gotta even have a Costco membership. I'm pretending I know what's in there. Yeah. You know, next to the, uh, you know, fifteen thousand uh, uh, pregnancy test container thing. I don't even know what's in Costco. But they should get into weed now that it's medicinal. Yeah, yeah, they should. So well, you uh, maybe they will. But why are you allowing people to not pay you? You paid up front for your weed. Why are you allowing people not to? Uh, pay you up front. Why, do, why does he even go into collection? Well, because sometimes they just can't. They, do, they don't even have the means to do it. Now, once I work with someone a while, I know how much money they've made. Yeah. So if you work with me for back then for three months, I know you made a couple hundred grand. Mm. So you have money now to fucking pay me. And I would right. tell you, you are, by the way, now on the you pay up front. Uh, thing I'd be I give them one or two days, but I would have relationships with them, and it would never it was never a someone come to my house. We had safe house. I had a, I had a house I had that was for friends to come over, hmm. and then we had another house that was a workhouse that no one's allowed to come over. Are you, are you ever worried about getting caught going to jail? Have you been to jail? No, I mean I've I've done a drunk tank. Yeah, you know, but that's uh, that so count. all these all nothing all this really never got caught, and you're not worried about saying it now like. No, because it, there's there. I mean, ex post facto is a real thing. So yeah, yeah. And I and there was there was there, there's no there's no people murdered. There's there's none of none of that. But do you worry like okay, let's say I shouldn't say this because then maybe you won't want to air this. But let's let's say all of a sudden you're arrested for something else, maybe drug related, but you're not you're not guilty of it. And then they say, well, you know, he was on this podcast and he was talking about, you know, yeah. like it shows a no. pattern. Good for you. That's why you're a badass. Even though you, I mean, you don't I'm also an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, there's there's like a the 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 genius and the idiocracy are, are crossing paths off. I got news for you. Even I have a money counter. <laughs> well, bring it on. I don't even care. Well, now it doesn't come and get it. But now it wouldn't be as big of a problem. It just depends what you're doing. What are you? You know, it it becomes a whole other thing. Uh, this is going to shock you. I'm uh, counting money. <laughs> What else do you use the money counter for? <laughs> Shoot, you know, you'd make a fantastic lawyer. <laughs> Why were you kidnapped? Okay, so one of my old friends, uh, they lost. They had a. They had a bunch. They were still working. They had three hundred pounds of marijuana sitting in their house. Now, I was not aware of this. But and what's that worth? 
uh, about a million bucks. Ooh. They lose this 300 pounds. Okay. They, so, lose it being they, they leave their house, their house gets broken into, someone steals it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I catch wind, uh, or I catch wind of this because a mutual friend of ours said, did you hear so-and-so uh, got robbed and lost uh, 300 pounds in his house? And we were mutual friends. So mm. we're all, and I said, oh, that's fucking terrible, obviously. Mm-hmm. But by the way, this is why we never took anything on a loan. Right. Now you owe someone. Right. No, no, no. A million dollars. I wouldn't take anything that we couldn't pay for. Right. So we started small. If I lose it, it's on me. Mm -hmm. I don't have someone coming to fuck me up or fuck with my family or or whatever. Uh, So we were uh, were always really careful in that regard. These people, not so much. They have 300 pounds in their house. They lose it. They're fucked. They owe someone a lot of money. Uh, He calls me and says, uh, hey, I just – I wanted to see if you wanted to meet up. And I said – why you want to play? You want to shoot hoops? Let's go shoot some hoops. I said, I heard what happened to you. That's terrible. I feel yeah. bad. You want, I thought he was calling me to go shoot some, right. <laughs> some basketball to feel, yeah. to feel better. I don't know what else I could help him out on. And he said, uh, I, I need to meet with you. My guys want to talk to you. And I said, why would your guys want to talk to me? And he says, well, you know, you knew where we lived and we got robbed. And I said, oh, well, I don't particularly give a shit that, I know where you live, and this becomes a problem for you or them. So wait a minute, you gave him the weed to sell. No, he no, thinks no. Maybe you no, stole it weed. back. Oh, you're okay. No, no, no. Okay. I'm retired. Got it. Got I'm it. like, I haven't. I'm not selling weed anymore. Got it. So we're just we're friends. Like if you if I was selling weed, mm-hmm. and, I got it. Yeah, I'm caught just up. came. Yeah, okay, good. Uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> so so I refuse to be. I'm like I'm fucking retired. Mm-hmm. I don't need why I don't want to work in that area is because of these types of things. You have to be extremely careful. You're putting your family at risk. You're just just in the mere fact if I just got plain old arrested, my mom and dad and family have to deal with that on right. an emotional level mm-hmm. uh, and probably physically also. Uh, so we were always really careful. So I was like, fuck you. I'm not meeting you because you have a bunch of problems that I specifically managed to avoid my entire career right. and. Uh, don't want to fucking deal with it right now. Uh, so uh, hang up on him. I'm like, I can't even, I won't even deal with this shit. I'm mm. just, I, I have a, it was a burner phone. I kept it. I was, when I, when I, when I retired, when I retired, I had a new phone. It's actually the same phone number you've called me on. Uh, I've had, that's my, that was, yeah. when I got that, that was my new phone number and everything else. Yeah. I kept these phones in case they wanted to play basketball. I was like, I don't want you calling your dirty phone, calling yeah. my clean phone. Yeah, yeah. Like, fuck you. So I kept these burner phones around for these old people I used to hang out with. Yeah. Just meet at a bar or whatever. Hmm. So I took his burner phone and I fucking threw it in the trash. I'm like, well, we're done. Yeah. And tossed it and moved on with my life. And uh, flash forward, I'm in Manhattan Beach. I am staying at my friend uh, friend's apartment that's on the beach. He's out of town. I'm, I'm, I'm solo. I'm sitting in there. Uh, and my and my good friend calls me up. That is the mutual friend to to this other guy. This guy is a, not a drug dealer. He just went to UCLA. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, "Hey, meet me at a bar. I'm going to be in Manhattan Beach." I said, "Fantastic! I'm down here. Meet you for a drink. Walk over to Sharky's. There's Sharky's mm-hmm. right on uh, whatever the street is. The pier." He doesn't show up. Now my friend likes to party, so I was like, "Is this asshole's probably sitting at his house doing one more line?" I'm not a coke guy, mm-hmm. but I don't have a problem with people doing it around. He doesn't bother me one way or another. And this guy loved cocaine. So he was always fucking late everywhere. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> I'm waiting in this fucking bar. I'm standing around by myself. Uh, have a couple drinks. And I'm like, all right, fuck this. I'm just going back to my house. I'm pissed off. I'm cursing his name. I'm walking out the door. 
and as I walk out that door, oh. I, t- I take a left outside of Sharkey's and go down to the. There's one street below. That's this, the mm-hmm. street that runs. What's uh, the Strand or? Yeah, it's like the boardwalk. It's a boardwalk, but it's a tiny, tiny little street down yeah. there. So I take a left down there, and as I take a left, I didn't notice some kind of dude. It was it was the streets were kind of empty, and yeah. uh, some guys walking from across the street behind me, and I just. Naturally, from living this life, for we were extremely paranoid and ca- right. or careful, whatever you want to call it. We were very cautious, cautious and diligent always. So, um, and so I, I kind of saw him, and then I saw as I keep walking south, I see a guy come out of the alley to my right. And I go, okay, that's two guys, and they're kind of just just behind me, and it's I don't like the like the feeling of someone walking behind me, and they didn't they looked meandering, like they weren't doing anything particular. And as I'm thinking about that, I see a guy walking towards me from the beach and i'm looking at that guy and i think this guy is like i'm walking down the road and he's walking exactly aligned with me which is odd you know you're walking you kind of get out of the way i'll take the right you take the left Mm -hmm. get the fuck out of the way he's walking straight at me and i'm looking at him and as i'm like what the fuck is this guy's like (laughs) what is he doing it's like it's like it's like nine at night um and uh, for I don't know why there was just there was no one in the street they're all in the bar I guess I don't know you know that 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 those areas get weird they right. they like it gets all foggy and and whatever and I, I just go there and do comedy you yeah. you go there and get kidnapped I, <laughs> that's that's a different path we're on yeah well but I have a money counter yeah well then that's why I don't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, so as I'm looking at the guy in front of me the guy behind me and the guy to the side have have at this point when I wasn't looking and focused on the guy in front of me had must have picked up into a jog because all of a sudden they're right behind how me. many are there three right three total guy behind me before the guy in front of me maybe he's like the distance between you and I right now and I'm looking at him and I'm like what the fuck and he's got his hand in his shirt but I can't tell what he's doing oh no and right when I'm looking at him I'm like is this, is this guy gonna want is he trying to fight me or something in the street right. I'm waiting for him to say something and as I'm thinking that the guy from behind me Reaches around and puts a uh, fish gut with those. I hate knives. He puts a knife to my neck that's about like that, yeah. but like three inch little blade with that curve that looks like you gut fish. Yeah, with yeah, it. yeah, yeah. Wraps his ha- arm around my neck just super fast. Puts that knife to my neck as the guy from the side now appears and shoves a gun in my ribs. As the guy in front now pulls out a gun. Oh, hmm. Now. I don't know what – I'm not Jason Statham or Steven Seagal. I don't know what the fuck they thought I was going to do. Yeah, but it seems like the fish knife was excessive. It was, and I, I hate knives. Like I don't huh. – don't, it doesn't really bother me. You put a, I've had a yeah. gun pulled on me a few times, mm. and it doesn't bother me that much. Um, What's a few times? Three? Four? Five. Five, five times. Yeah, but you know. Uh, some of those, I was just in a place that happened to be <laughs> was getting robbed. That's just that's called living in Los Angeles. Yeah, I was playing video games in a place that got robbed. We, when I was <laughs> when I was in college, um, a couple of buddies and I we went. Um, actually, it was, I think it was me and one other guy. We met these these girls, but they lived outside of Atlanta. I think they lived in Dunwoody, which was like a wealthy suburb outside the loop in Atlanta. And we we were going to stop at this gas station, and I don't know, maybe get liquor or beer. I don't know if they sold it in the gas stations there. We walked in. There was a guy in a mask and he had the gun and he turned around and we go, welcome back. <laughs> just walked out. <laughs> but that's one of those times where you go, wow, we could have been killed. Yeah. You know? Well, you know, there's also, there's there's sometimes, it's the difference of the, obviously who's holding the gun. So sometimes someone pulls a gun on you and you know it's to rob you. It's not to kill you. 
Right. So I've just been lucky enough to make that distinction. Yeah. I can do it when it's happening. Right. For whatever reason, it's a genetic thing. I'm pretty good at that too. You know, when, when like, the guns come out, I go, "This, this isn't, this isn't real. This is." Uh, hey, <laughs> I can read their intentions. Just politely ask. I'll hand you my wallet. <laughs> All right, so you have a, a, a fish knife at your neck, you have a, a, a gun in your gut, and a guy standing in front of you with a gun, yes. right? And, Sorry, uh, not gut. I have a gut. You have a, a six-pack. <laughs> so you have a, a gun at your six-pack. So what, what happens next? Uh, so uh, they said, uh, what did he say? Well, because the, uh, there's a, there's, I, I, I joke with him in the beginning, but he said something like, uh, you're Jason, uh, or, or he said... Uh, they, they, or they said, "You walk, come with us." And the guy in front of me is now, and the guys behind me on the side are pushing me forward. And he said, "Come," and he's walking me down towards the beach. And I said, "Well, I, I had no clue what." Right. I, I, I literally was a blank slate in my head to what the fuck is this? I just thought, oh, they're just gonna, I'm just getting robbed. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm walking, he says, "You're Jason," and I said, "Oh, you must have the wrong Jason," and I'm wearing a t-shirt. <laughs> And uh, I go, you must have the wrong Jason. And um, and he said, uh, a Jason with a spider web uh, tattoo on one elbow and a spade on the other, and that is uh, what I have on my right. my arms at the time. And I and I go, oh, that that sounds like the right Jason. Well, there are a lot of Jasons with those that tattoo configuration, you know. Uh, and then uh, that was it. They walked me down and sat me on this curb. Uh, and they said, "Wait here." And they get on the phone and they call someone. And I'm, I'm very, I have no clue. I just know it's bad. Mm-hmm. I know it's not good. Yeah. But I have really no clue on what the fuck is going on. Are you like nervous or adrenaline? Or adrenaline. Just, yeah. And numb. You and you know numb these, out. these are the real guns. You know, this is the real gun. Oh, just, I'm sorry. So, yeah. uh, well, you know, once I actually, I don't fuck these guys. Um, the, the guys that the guys that they're just. Uh, Mexican mafia guys. They were they were tear tattoo. They were the uh, prototypical, uh, you know, MA or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, we always were pretty smart to avoid. But I I have friends that were in there. I have just you know casual friends. I have I have friends in kind of most walks of life. So I understand that whole thing. But they were they were hired guns for as we go forward. So they mm. so they were they were outsourced. Mm. <laughs> And uh, the phone call comes in, uh, a van pulls up, and I'm thinking that this is the, the the closest I get to fear during this thing. And I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm afraid, but it's not affecting anything. But what kept running to my mind is they sat me on the curb, and the one guy sat across from me and just had a gun pointed on me. Um, as I thought, these guys are just going to rob me. Take my, I'm wearing a, a gold Rolex. I'm like, they're just going to rob me from my ship, my my horseshoe ring, which I made from. You know, I know. I remember that from ten years ago, d- decades ago. Mm-hmm. This thing's almost uh, older than uh, it's twenty-two years. Old. Hmm. Anyways, I thought they were just going to take my shit and shoot me in the head and throw me in the sand. And the FBI thing, I kept thinking, well, I can't let them abduct me wherever they're trying right. to take me. They're going to just take, make me go to a bank and take out. Mm-hmm. Who knows what the fuck they're going to do? So I, I kept thinking, well, should I just fucking refuse to go yeah. anywhere and just take a bullet right here? Because someone's going to hear it. They'll call the police. Maybe I live. Like, mm-hmm. but do I live if I get into this van? Like all mm-hmm. this weird information, doing all these calculations and they're survival calculations. And it, and it kind of, it, it feels like it's happening at like warp speed in your head. I don't know. The time frame gets real murky because hmm. it is adrenaline. It is survival instinct. And so uh, I'm sitting there and I didn't really need, I didn't even get to make a decision as a white van pulls up. And I, like, you know, vans are just. It's I mean, never I'm, good. 
No. Unless they're doing electrical work at your house. Yeah. And it wasn't one of those Mercedes executive vans. <laughs> it wasn't one where you open the doors and <laughs> weed, the smell of weed just comes out. You know? Yeah. Snoop Dogg gets yeah. out and says, ha ha, you've been punked. Dude, <laughs> Snoop Dogg the other day, he's in, he's in a war. Like, the fact that I even know this is unbelievable. He's in a war with Eminem. Right, so I'm like, I gotta read about this. I'm, now I'm fascinated. M Eminem and goes after Snoop, and then Snoop responds under his Instagram, really like a snarky response. But here's the most amazing part: he included three emojis. <laughs> I go, Snoop uses emojis. Yeah. I go, you know, all these badasses. You, it turns out they're not. You know, I you, use emojis all the time. I think you use one with me too. You give me like a thumbs up emoji but it wasn't like the cool emoji it was like the old man emoji where it was like this big in the text it was like five inches took up my entire iphone because like, if you put it in without any other words it comes really big no they're like updated emojis you have like that's like an old school like fuzzy thumbs up hand i'll show it to you like my mom has terrible vision so i know that she needs things big You're using old man emojis <laughs> from my mother all right get back to the kidnapping so, van pulls up, door opens. Lo and behold, it is the shithead that called me that said, my guys want to talk to you. And I said, fuck off, and threw his burner phone in the trash, my yeah. friend. Yeah. And he's sitting there. So, months have passed. So, I, so which also gave me an idea, a window into the type of torture he's been going through, phys- probably physically, mm-hmm. and, and for sure mentally and financially. Usually, like, there's people when I was working that owed us a couple times one guy owed us six uh, hundred grand, or just over hundred grand, mm-hmm. and disappeared and whatever else. And we would just look at it like the cost of doing business. You're, wow. You know, well, even even your business now, my current businesses, which are legal, I still don't get paid on a one hundred percent of jobs. Someone's always fucking trying to sneak away, and mm. you know, I don't like that lit- litigious people mm. trying to sue you at it. You know, whatever the case yeah. may be. So it happens in all right, all all realms of business, uh, illegal also. So. We walked away from stuff like that. Like I would just say, you know what? We're not going to go, you know, do something crazy and hunt people mm-hmm. down. And we're still making money, so we just would calculate that as cost of doing business and move forward. Now we were making a lot of money, so you could write off a hundred grand. Um, and uh, and so when I saw him sitting in the car and the look on his face, he looked utterly terrified. He looks like he feels pretty remorseful that I'm even having to deal with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he and. Probably the only person during the evening that I felt like I wanted to commit an act of violence against for this whole scenario was him at that mm. moment. I wanted – then I went, oh, you are the reason I am have these three dudes basically, you know, guns right. and knives at me. They followed me from when I left the place. So they, without me saying shit, drive me right back to my friend's apartment and park the van there. And we get out, we walk upstairs, and they ransack the entire my, – my boyfriend's <laughs> condo. It just gets thrashed. They're looking wow. for all kinds of shit. And they go, is there any guns in this house? Is there any money? I'm like, nope, nope. They go. They ransack it. Well, my friend was my partner. So not only – and we were retired, so now he has guns. So they come out of his bedroom. They're like, you said there was no guns in here. And they got a bunch of guns. You, wow. said, you said there was no money, and there was ten grand in like a dresser. Wow. I'm like, it's not my place. I don't know where all this shit is. Uh, and then I, I sat on this couch and so, oh, so the driver, I'm sorry, the driver of this van. So it's my friend sitting a shotgun and then we have the driver and the driver is this massive white Canadian guy. He is about six, five big fucking meathead. Just no tattoos. Just looks like a Abercrombie model on steroids. Mm. Like he's a big, big guy. 
uh, one of the uh, kidnappers sits in front of me with a gun, and the other two ransack the place. It's a small condo. They tear it apart pretty quick, 20 minutes, um, while the big Canadian guy is standing in the kitchen. But this guy is dumber than a sack of hammers. So he is standing in the kitchen, but there's a cutout. in the Like right now, if I'm, mm-hmm. I'm in the living room and you're in the kitchen. Like yeah. it's a small place. So while he's standing there, he thinks I can't hear him. I'm sitting on a couch about this far. Mm-hmm. So he's, he's, he's a couple feet from me, and he's calling. The guy's saying, okay, well, we have him. And I'm like, oh, I'm finding out what's going on from more right. from him. My friend is sitting on the other side of the room, profusely apologizing, and I just uh, told him to shut the fuck up. I'm just like, shut the. I need. Mm-hmm. I'm focusing on trying to figure out how I'm going to get the fuck out of here. Did he ever punch you? No, no, no. He wouldn't dare. No, because I will find him and fuck him up. Mm-hmm. I was. I will commit those crimes still today. <laughs> I haven't, but yeah. I. I right. There's a general principle in the idea of someone putting you in a position where you're. You you pretty much could have died a few times, hmm. and the and and my my kidnappers at the time they were they were geeked up they were on they were on all kinds of stuff because also it's nighttime, so these guys were on I don't know what they were they were on coke or speed or whatever they're they're not kidnapping me sober and you hmm. can see it their eyes look glazed over and that is when you start asking yourself you know who is has this gun on me if you should, if you put a teenager uh, put a gun on me I am nervous. Hmm. If you give me you and you pull a gun on me, I know that you're operating in some realm of reason and that there's an accidental misfire that could happen. But do I really believe that you want to shoot me? These guys were on drugs. So I'm the idiot that just misfires? Yeah. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> the, the, the teenager curtain? I'm yeah. just, I'm too dumb to handle the I'm gun. I'm in that curtain too. Yeah, okay. I'm right there. I'm out of the danger zone. So uh, I'm proud I'm not perceived as a uh, threat. No. Well, you know, I'm not a threat either, thank God, anymore. So, uh, so... Uh, they 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 do this thing. So he's in the thing. And he says, uh, God, the, "The big the the boss guy of this whole operation is in the kitchen talking to the real boss, saying, okay, have him. Okay, you want me to? Okay, okay, bye.' And he hangs up. And he walks around the the thing where I'm sitting on the couch, and he just drills me in the side of the head, hmm. just punches me. And then uh, I cover up a little bit. Now I still have a guy with a gun on me, and I'm. I'm considering if I need to run by everyone and jump out the window uh-huh. behind them and just land in the road yeah. and break my legs. Mm-hmm. I don't, I, these are the weird, oh, no, I get it. You're sitting there going, what can I, what can I, can I do? Right. Uh, so are you asking why, why are you like, I'll go, what, what am I doing here? I didn't, I, I think you think I took this guy's weed. I didn't take this guy's weed. They hadn't weed. even started. They had, they had me sit down. They ransacked the place. He got on the phone. And I would have been uh, uh, formulating my appeal in the, in the van. I would have been like, uh, this, you know, I know why we're here. You know, let's. Yeah, I, I didn't even know. I, I mean, don't like getting punched. Yeah, no, I, it sucked. And then, and so then that kept happening. So he would get on the phone, or one time he, he called all the guys over at the same time, and they all beat on me at the same time. But it was comical because I'm laying on, I'm on, a, I'm sitting on a couch that's not much bigger than this, and mm-hmm. I ball up. I mean, I'm not going to just let him fucking put my chin out and let him drill me. So right. I'm at least going to cover myself up. So, Oh, they- my God. That's what I did in elementary school. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait. Uh, were you in the ball or were yeah. you in the fist? No, I'm, I, I would just – I would – I get chased. I'd just drop to the ground and like a like a – like an opossum or something, I'd curl up like I'm like a pangolin yeah. and put my scales out and just yeah. That's right. Yeah. I did. So that's what I did. I I I put my 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 hands over my ears and my temple, and my face. All this jujitsu you took, and this yeah. is 
Yeah, how to survive a jumping. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you act like a 10-year-old. But I ball my knees up, too, because they're trying to hit me in the stomach and the nuts. And so I just turned into a little ball, and the couch was, was springy, and these guys were punching me down, and I was literally a ball bouncing off the couch. Oh, like I was like fun. It was, in an odd way, it was kind of funny. Yeah. But uh, when they stopped, it's all funny now. It just, at the time, it was, it was in my head, I was like, I'm launching off this thing i was like this is ridiculous amusement park ride kidnapping and they weren't getting me very good and it's it was just the whole thing was just it seemed like it wasn't working it was awkward Mm. yeah it was an awkward beating yeah so they didn't give me that good what they would but they would continue to walk by me he'd go in the kitchen and this happened a few times he'd talk to him and say we 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 we, then we did get into you know i didn't do this i mean but Mm -hmm. we didn't even need to get into that i didn't fucking do it so i was just like fuck you you called me i did not dealing with this shit well, we want to, uh, you know, have you do this lie detector test. And I said, no, I'm not fucking volunteering to come do a lie detector test for you. I don't know what the fuck you are. Those so, aren't even admissible in court. <laughs> thank you. For the record. Yeah, that's what I would have said. Once again. Yeah. I really, see, maybe you would have been a fantastic criminal. You you just innately know. I'm good at getting out of things. And I just <laughs> would have said, hey, listen, I, just, you know. If you're intending to use this in in the court, it's not admissible. And uh, and by, by the way, I think your results would be skewed a little bit by being punched <laughs> and being launched off a couch over and over. I feel like a fish knife to the neck and a few guns sort of maybe makes the test results a little bit off. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's fair. And I would say that too. Yeah. So, so they're punching me. So they, they did it a couple of times, and I talk to him, and then I hear the guy uh, in the kitchen again. He's on the phone. He says, uh, boss, I don't think he did it. I, I, no, I, it seems like he – no, I don't, I don't really think he did it. There's nothing in here. Uh, we've talked to him, and he, and he goes, okay, okay, and hangs up the phone, uh, walks by, punches me in the back of the head. Other, other kidnapper dude walks over and punches me in the back of that which was the worst thing that i got was him he punched me in the back of my ear and it sliced my ear all the way from top to is bottom. it still do you have like a scar no nah, because it was in the crease it's a really easy place to to rip your ear but that can your... knock you out right that's sure you know they didn't really hit me that great during this whole thing there was a lot of like you know the side shots there wasn't you know they didn't pin me down and hold my arms and just land me like a movie but Mm -hmm. they kept fucking punching me when i wasn't looking and just it it was very unnerving so every time someone walked behind me so wait a minute they all had to get one more punch in before they left even though yeah they knew that you weren't involved well because i know why the guy that you know whoever they're talking to is pissed off they're they're out a million bucks they've they've spent money yeah what is trying to find me they've hired i find out later they hired actual private investigators but i being just retired i didn't have any mail like when why we were so good at what we did is we were careful so there wasn't mail i had no listed addresses i had p.o boxes all over the place i had bills and other my bills were in other people's names on purpose i still i do that now what um (laughs) you notice when you came up here i didn't even give you my address i I did notice that it was very yeah very good. Yeah. I, I, Gangster? I thought, I thought I'm going to end up at your house anyways. I, I, I don't give anybody my address. Uh, people think they know where I live, but they, they actually don't because, you know, maybe I own other properties. because yeah, you typed it in and it was the wrong address, but you did that. You said, get to here and then text me that you're here and you're going to talk me through the rest. Further instructions. Yeah. Well, that's why I like you. You're a weirdo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of gangster, you know. Yeah, no, you have some. You have some very interesting traits that I respect. <laughs> no, I know. I have a fr- even a good friend. She said, uh, "I want to send you a, uh, a Thanksgiving card." 
She's in New York City. There's actually somebody who's, she's been at my house. I dated her in the past. And she goes, I want to set, I said, could you just take a picture and text it to me? I said, I want to give you my address. I don't, I just don't, I don't want it out there. I don't even want it like on your phone. And then these guys, you know, <laughs> they find. Well, you so know, you think they know, you think they remember this incident? So I know that the, the three, the three kidnappers, mm-hmm. uh, definitely, I, I still know Pete. We have mutual friends. This is how this oh, is boy. how weird it gets. So, oh, I have so many questions. I, I so they punch my head. They do this thing, and yeah. then the guy said, "I said, look, I'll take your fucking lie detector test." I said, "Just I'll take it, and then leave me the fuck alone." And they said, "Great." So they call. So the, the three kidnappers. The guy calls them off. To, he lets them off for the night. He says, "Okay." It's like six in the morning. He goes, you guys can go home. Yeah, because he's going to come. I they they he, at this point I've built a rapport and this the, the big dummy trusts me and I've agreed to go do it and, and I and I'll be honest with you, kidnapper uh, overtime. <laughs> it, no, it goes into you know most people it's time and a half. It's it's double time. Really? Once, yeah. Once you hit six a.m., forget it. I don't know how much money they have for this operation. What do you think he paid for these kidnappers? So I know the exact number. Oh, you do? No, that, I know. I, that, that, <laughs> this I, is good. I wouldn't what is have it? wanted to tell you the story if there wasn't like this pretty, oh. pretty crazy ending to okay. it. That right. even it goes right. further than this. So, so the 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 kidnappers leave. Uh, we wait uh, eight o'clock. We jump in a car. We drive all the way over to, from Manhattan Beach to Westwood, where uh, the the place that lie detects me is uh is on is on Wilshire. Wait, uh, this is like a legitimate it's lie detector. It's a real detect- place. No. Oh. I see it years later. They're they're lie- the actual guy is doing a lie detector for the Kardashians on their show. Oh wow. He's a real f- I saw him and I go I go Tracy, that's the guy that uh did the lie detector. We we didn't know each other when this happened. I go that's the guy that did the lie detector. She goes, "No way. He's on the Kardashians." I said he was an old man. It looked like a legit office. He made it. They paid we went on off office hours. They handed him a $10,000 stack right in front of it. Go, Here's 10 grand. That guy Ooh. takes me into a room. I'm beat up. My face is swollen and cuts all over it. He just looks at me, just shrugs his shoulders. We go in. This guy could have been my grandfather. Yeah. Hooks me up to all the stuff. Asks me questions about the loss of the prototype. That's mm. what it, the prototype. Did you have any interest? Or did you know who took the prototype? Did you take the prototype? Do you know who may have taken the prototype? This whole bullshit thing. And you only answer yes or no. It's right? a yes or no. And they ask you the baseline questions. And do the whole thing. So he walks out and he says, "Okay, he passed all your questions, uh, and he he wasn't lying." Mm-hmm. And the and the big dummy uh, Canadian guy looks at me. Who's your friend? No, my friend is uh, is not the 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 muscle the guy that kept oh, getting the on the phone. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was he was essentially their remote manager. Got it from Canada mm-hmm. that was down here. So he came down, hired a work crew. That work crew yeah. kidnaps me. He handles this. Now, he drives over. He's paying anything that needs to be paid. So he pays this guy. Take it. I pass the test. Pass the lie detector test. I walk out. The guy tells him. And then uh, he looked at me and said, uh, okay. He goes, well, I'm sorry. Would you like a ride home? (laughs) (laughs) That's very polite. I said, fuck you. Yeah. I spit on him. Woo. I looked at my friend. I said, if I see you again, I'll kill you. Wow. And then I walked downstairs to this office. They stayed up there. I called myself a cab and I got in the cab and on the cab ride home, I started crying because it was just this yeah, whole, yeah. like, I, it was 12 hours of pens and needles mm. and trying to be mentally sharp and not miss a thing. Yeah. And I'm just like, you're just survival mode. It's just a long time to be right. on, be on like that. Uh, and I was, I was upset. I was, it was, it was traumatic. Uh, but 
And you're not that I have, tough. I have zero calm. PTSD though with things like that. Like that's the one thing. So in the scenario, those situations during in, throughout my life, I'm fine. And then I don't have PTSD with them. And I understand. I get scared in the moment, but the the difference, I guess, is the fear doesn't get in the way of whatever I'm supposed to be doing to survive or, mm-hmm. or whatever else. Which is no different than, and that is applicable to all careers. Your especially your career, which uh, I have huge admiration for it. I mean, you're going out, like I, even talking to this podcast, it's you and I sitting in a room. It's still, I don't, I've never done a podcast. I, I don't, public speaking makes me a little nervous. I was going to ask you that. How, how often do you think you, you, you tell this story? Like, well, I've only told it to a close friend. So, you know, and, uh, I think I told it to you where probably I was with, we were with Mike or something. Like it's a bit of a, there's only a handful of people. My, like my parents don't know this shit. My mom, my mom called me when I was actually dealing one day and she's really into psychics. And she called me and she said, a psychic told me you're a drug dealer. And I'm like, mom, you're crazy. And yeah. I hang the phone up. And then I felt bad because I called him on crazy and she, she was right. Yeah. You know, so, you know, there's. Because, and maybe you can help me understand this. Sure. So. Guest Unknown, which was a podcast that I've been working on where I interview people like yourself that I really have never met. But I, I, I've, you know, I mean, not met, but I don't know them. Like I'll meet them like on planes or coffee shops or on the road and people like just open up to me. I, I, I don't know what it is. Yeah. Like, can you explain to me why people like yourself feel compelled or want to tell these stories to me? Huh. Well, I mean, just in, I mean, just outside of this, you as my friend, you have you you're like that. Like you're a generous person. You're a fantastic listener. Now, it's it's. I think what you you're tell just that what, to the people I date. It's just, well, <laughs> unfortunately, you're probably listening the most out of everybody. To be perfectly honest, like you, you know, you're like you just said about pop culture. I do the same thing. In order for me to stay current, I. Uh, actively search out certain things in pop culture just to feel like I have a finger on the pulse still. Mm-hmm. Um, and as an artist and a creative, whether it's business or actual art or whatever else, it's it's the constant stimulation from outside that gives me new ideas. Well, I, I, I don't see any difference between how I do that and how you do it. Uh, and you listen, but you listen because you're you're taking an in information. Um and I think that's really important. That's you're you're a fantastic uh, uh, listener. I think is is probably why. And you're smart, and you uh, probably you know you don't have much judgment in you. Mm. Uh, but you know you're very much like you, you you save all your judgment probably for yourself, right? Like yeah. you torture yourself. You're you're like oh I who am I? Like I have that same feeling. Like the older I get too, it's um, and I'm uh, yeah 44 in, in a couple weeks. Yeah. Mm. Um, so I think that's with age that comes with that, but I think naturally inherently you are a fantastic listener and you, because you're paying attention. So you, you think you, you give a shit, you recognize that because, I, and you, yes, yeah. no, I wouldn't tell this to fucking, that's what I think is, I've been asked to go on a, not that I matter, but I've been a couple of my friends at podcasts, hmm. uh, and I have, I don't know. I didn't have my, why do I even want to talk about it? But you know, with you, I wanted to catch up anyways. And I, 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 I know I felt bad when I reached out to you cause I'm like, okay, I, I just want to know, yes or no, would you tell these stories on my podcast? But I had to like text you three sentences first that made it look like you really gave a shit about you. Yeah, I know. No, no. This is how I know where, this is how, for me, how I gauge a good friend though, is I gauge a good friend. If, if we can drift off and go down a, a 
professional, you know, whatever, all the little rabbit holes that exist in life. A new girl, a child, mm-hmm. a new job, a whatever. Um, and still pick back up. Mm-hmm. I agree. Because those are opportunities to not pick back up people. And, it, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah. You could have thrown out my burner phone. I, yeah. But I, no, Metaphorically. But I, I, I probably do that a lot. So I make yeah. sure the people I do like, I want to, I, I cherish that and it, it's yeah. meaningful to me. So I was like, I wanted to rap with you anyways and get caught up. But, uh, but what, like, for me, I think strangers. Yeah, I mean, like, but you didn't, you didn't know me that well. When but you when told we me first stories. met, I don't like people. I mean, I like, I actually, I like people in general. But in terms of my circle, I just <clears> like it small because you're busy and you you only have so much time and inevitably. But you're telling stories that you wouldn't tell your friends. You don't tell your mom. You know. Well, you're a storyteller, also. Well, so I, that's also what it is, right? I, yeah, I'm fascinated. Like you said, I'm very curious, and I learn. I learn. I understand people's motivations. Everything uh, everything you're telling me today is something that I will process and use in the future. I do that. And so I'm I'm I so I understand that. And I what I think a stranger sees in you, I think that, that I think that's just really apparent. You're listening. And uh I think people really like to be listened to. You know, I I think that's people can have full lives and and no one actually yeah. listens listens sure. to anything they're saying. Yeah. So, and there's something, you know, I, I, I want to bring up a point because I don't think many people can listen and really process and understand a story like this. You know, Plato has the cave, this metaphor where people are afraid to look at the fire directly because it's so hard that they, they look at the shadows on the wall. You've heard that expression. I think yep. John Lennon watching wheels says watching shadows on the wall, which I believe comes from Plato's cave. And he thinks it's really too hard. So right now I'm looking into the fire when I look into your eyes yeah. and I'm digesting this. I'm taking it in. I'm thinking, when should I say something funny to break it up? When should I derail the story and then bring the story back? So it textures it for the, for the listener and, and keeps it interesting, keeps you engaged and keeps yeah. us both energized. And I think that, a lot of people can't hear this story. They can't. It's too unbelievable. It's too scary. It's too. It, this isn't. This isn't the way humans act. And so they're not listening because you're telling them that story, and they're thinking about their grocery list for next week. <laughs> yeah, well, that, I mean that happens all the time. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. I I think you just you have a quality that would it makes a lot of sense. Uh, and I. I yeah. And I've never been able to ask somebody this. That's why I, you know. Yeah. Well, no, but that's why I think you and I are friends. I mean, that's a, for me, it's a qualification. You know, you also share with, with all of our friends a, a, a pretty, you know, we're ambitious and we're not just ambitious in work. We're ambitious in how we spend our time and our lives and our, you know, camping and how we like, you know, who we play basketball with. Yeah. Those those basketball games you're talking about are private games. Yeah. Those are private respond to the text message or the email to <laughs> say you're coming so there's not more than one game waiting because right. heaven forbid all these people are all very important mm-hmm. in some way shape yeah. or form yeah. and uh to to slow up their day would be would be terrible so uh no i think uh, that's that's got to be it well thank you yeah, yeah. no I, i've always uh, you know I've always plus we we fan. love to talk business you and i we think very similarly before we came in here you were telling me about some business stuff and i same as you, I go. This is as close as I'm going to get to doing that type of business. But this might have some application to another area on top of just being interested in how you're doing. So, I'll contently sit and listen to people talk about all kinds of stuff. Well, you should like if you're an artist, you're going to watch 
the way Mick Jagger moves on stage or the way Bob Dylan light, writes lyrics or the way Monet paints or whatever. Like like in one episode, I was about to get into Michelangelo and his philosophies and stuff like that. So you have to take from that. So you can take from, all right, so this guy's telling me about l- lugging weed over the border, but let's see, he was smart enough to pay in advance. So that makes him go to the top of the list as, as a client. So you, mm-hmm. you, know, you start like, listen, I, I pull from all forms of life. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I've always been fascinated by the mafia because they speak in such few terms, like words. Like, they're, it's few words. I'll say five words or three words, and they communicate an entire book. You know what I mean? Yeah, what's well, that a necessity? That's <laughs> yeah. when you're like, exactly why you didn't want to text me your address. Well, that's right. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> that feeling. Well, you know, like, people will write these long, and I'm like, just these text messages are, I'm like, be concise. Say it just in a sentence. You can, you know, you can say so much. Yeah. So. I try. Well, you have practice. You're you're a professional at being concise and to the point. Well, you got to get it out, or they're gonna they're gonna start talking in the audience. They're gonna get up and leave. Yeah. They're gonna heckle you. You show any little crack of weakness as a stand up comic. That's when you get heckled. That's why, yeah. like, when I talk comedy to like the top guys, I won't name them. You know, I I'm friends with these guys. Yeah. We we marvel at when we cut out half a word. You know, like if if it's like, well, you just combined. Two words that have never been combined, you know, and yeah. we just go, wow. Because that half a word, you can lose an entire audience in half a word. Get back to the kidnap. Okay, so we take the test. I I, uh, I, I pass. I get in the cab. drive home. I cry. I go home. I'm done. Uh, How old are you? Maybe 18 years ago. Mm. So mid-20s. Okay. Um, and then, uh, so, okay, so we're good. Nothing ever happens. It's a wrap. Done deal. We go on. I am drinking scotch with my my departed friend, uh, Murph. Uh, rest in peace three years ago. Murph died. So he passed. Accidental uh, overdose. I just feel like mentioning that only because of the, what we've been talking about. So yeah. it wasn't a crazy gunshot or anything. What drugs? Uh, it was uh, uh, fentanyl mixed into what, I don't know, whatever, mm. whatever he was doing. Um, and uh, so anyway, so... Um, one of my closest friends was uh, one of my son's two godparents. So we're he and I are, are thick as thieves. We're sitting in my backyard, and this is sitting in the backyard uh, ten years ago. So years have passed, and he and I are ex- he's he's still at the time he was a, he's a lifetime criminal. Murph, Murph, no, I know Murph. You, you you've met him for sure. You heard his name a bunch. He was a he was a business partner of mine and a bunch of stuff that was legitimate. But prior to that, he and I. Went way back and we would work together loosely. Right. So um, we would talk. So we, we were exchanging war stories with Scotch about times we had guns pulled on us. And he had some fantastic ones. And I'm telling him this story I just told you. And as I'm telling him the story and I get to the big dumb Canadian, uh, uh, which is his name was Kevin. Fuck you, Kevin. Um, hey, Kevin. Well, I'm talking about Kevin. And he goes, holy shit. Hold on. He breaks out his phone. He goes, did it look like this? And he holds his phone to me. And I go, that is Kevin. And I go, why the fuck is Kevin in your phone? And he goes, I've known Kevin for years. Kevin called me. He said, I need some guys to catch this crazy tattooed white boy that we think stole a million dollars of our pot. And Murph says, okay, well, come on down. I'll find you some essays. Because that's his whole realm. He's a Venice guy. And, uh, and he, and he 
and and we come to and he goes not only that he goes they gave me he got paid kevin gives murph 10 grand and then he gives him another 15 grand to give 5000 each to the three guys he was going to hire so this was a $25,000 kidnapping 25 and then the guns and the knife were murphs murph get a hand, here's your gun Go okay. Here's your five thousand dollars. Here's your gun. Here's your five thousand dollars. Here's your gun. Are you mad at Murph for this? Here's your fi- no. Here's your five thousand dollars. Here's a knife. So he, Murph- ran, he ran out of guns to give the third guy, and he got the curvy knife. He got the. Cur- I was wondering who shows up with the curvy knife. Very unprepared. Yeah, that's just. Maybe they would have gotten more. Yeah. They would have gotten ten thousand a night. So <laughs> your kidnapping is worth twenty five thousand dollars. Yes, and I didn't include the PIs that went into it because regular yeah. private investigators were trying to find me. And ten k for the lie detector. And 10K of lie detectors. There are 35 just with the with the hired help and that for that evening. Okay. So you're not mad at Murph. Even though, no, is Murph supposed to say, who's the dude? We're, lo- we're losing our minds in my backyard. Laughing? We're, yes, but also just out of the, because he never knew who it was for. And our worlds it's, didn't cross like that. So it was, that that is, that is yeah. like a needle in a haystack. And then he's like, what? Remember I kept saying, why is there so many? Why? Why do I need three? Why is there two guns and a knife? Just one gun yeah. probably would have done the job. Just sure. one guy with a gun saying, "Go do this." The three. He's like, they were terrified of you. He goes, they kept talking about this guy because because of the people that did lose the product. My friends, no, yeah. they know better. They know like I probably won't tolerate too much stuff. So, but not like that. So that he goes, he was la- he was laughing because he goes, they were terrified of you. They're like, we don't need one, we need three. What did Murph get the weapons back? He got all the way. Murph oh. showed. And then so the, later, I got on Mount. Last time I was at his house, prior he he's like, he goes, you want to see the weapons that were pointed at you? And we pulled them out of the floor, the floorboard that came up, wow. and pulled them out. And he's like, and the knife. I was- hope he gave you one. You should frame that knife. You should have turned that knife into I hate a knives. necklace. I know, but turn it into something. But. But that was that it, it about melted our faces. We were we were wow. in disbelief that, and then I go, well, you, I go, you owe me dinner at least. Yeah, you made ten grand. Ten grand. Did they ever find the weed? And I'm I I was one of Murph's favorite people. Like he, he was yeah. one of my favorite people. So it was like it was like he almost got his brother killed. Where's- and he said those guys. I go, they were geeked out. He goes, they were doing lines at my house. Before the, before they left, and he goes, and the guy with the knife really didn't like you. He really said he wanted to cut you and make your face ugly before he left. Which I wow. was like, wow, that could have happened. My God! And then there goes your modeling career in Peru. He <laughs> 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 goes, you know, you're the the hottest white guy in Machu Picchu, Pico, uh, whatever they say. What? Where did the? Where's the weed? Where's where? Did oh, I the don't know. Weed? We I don't still know. don't know and, where the weed is. I can, they never found the weed. I can tell you this. I don't even know whatever happened to the guys that owed the, my 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 old friends that owed that money that that lost that weed. The I, guy who was riding shotgun. I, him and his crew. I don't know whatever happened. Are they, they alive? They could be buried in a ditch somewhere. I have no idea. Wow. I have no. I, I would assume they let them live that long. I mean, he, they were so. I would mm. I would assume they'd try to. I don't. I have no. Well, idea. it goes back to do you kill them or do you let them live long enough to pay you back? Well, I mean, I. I we didn't kill people, so I would I would either you know, cut them off and just say cut the losses, or I'd make them work. And pay yeah, but off. you didn't give them that million dollar million dollars in weed. Where did he get that weed from? Oh, who do you owe the money to? The Canadians. Yeah, it was the Canadians. It was the Canadians sent down that guy, got all the hired workers, went mm-hmm. and found me. But they were working remote. They weren't they weren't in Los Angeles. Hmm. So they were hell bent. They they were convinced that I had their million bucks because the truth is I have the capacity to grab it and sell it that quick they were not wrong in that if i did get it i am a guy that could do it i could take it and sell it at back then 
I couldn't know. Does this, this make you think I'm definitely going straight after this? I'm not gonna. But you, I was already straight. But you're still hanging out with those people. You're still hanging well, out, with shooting hoops Murph. with them. Yeah. So now, well, Murph, I never had any issues with Murph. I mean, well, that, <laughs> I think you did. You that, just didn't realize. It, he you know? didn't know. I yeah. can't. I, I can't give him credit for that. He was doing what he's supposed to do yeah. in, in his Murph life, which is if someone asked you for some dudes like that, you would you would you would do it. That yeah. was part of his income. But let me ask you something because you have a ton of tattoos. And when you look at the spider web on the elbow, which you were talked about in that kidnapping story, yeah. wh- why do I think that has to do with prison time? So it does. I oh. mean, not for me. And in, in one of the meanings for so they can it can be about addiction. It mm-hmm. can be about uh, feeling trapped. It can be about uh, uh, and and in prison time markers. So every thread is a is an amount of time. So that would be a yeah, whatever it's, it's whatever unit of time. Do you regret any of the uh, tattoos? No, no, I no. Who can, who gives a shit? Not even the one on your lower back that says Hollywood? <laughs> that is not a thing. I actually have a friend, and he's famous, and he has a, he had a Hollywood. I don't know if he's really? still done. Yeah. Oh. I'll tell you off the air, but he had a Hollywood, t- like a dude with a tramp stamp, you yeah. know, and it said Hollywood. How douchey is that? No, that's terrible. I hope he's not listening. I, I hope he got it removed. Yeah. No, I don't regret any of them. I, ha- I've, what, I, I have a misspelling. Oh, um, you do? I love that. Yeah. Like, is it Latin? I love Latin. No, no, it's English. That's the worst part. Oh, what is... It was supposed to say son of a gun, and it said son off a gun. (laughs) (laughs) Where is it? Where is it? It's on my shoulder. It's, uh... I like to... You one that says, I like to party, (laughs) and the guy's... And it's holding a spatula. What kind of party is that? No, that's a a 2D broken bottle. Oh. It looks like a spatula to me. Where's the? Oh, there's the gun. And what does it say? I. It says it said son of a gun, but that right there it said off. I, I love I love that you have all these tattoos. You basically have like a, you know, you've got guns, you've got spider webs, spades, <laughs> uh, you know, broken bottles, and your mom had a dream that you might be selling <laughs> drugs. Jeez, how did she put that together? <laughs> I mean, it all tells the story. That's yeah, right. and now you're complete. You're, you're married. You own a home. Yeah. You're about to two sell homes. that. You own two homes legally. I have some uh, gov tech companies. Yeah, uh, you're, you're doing well. You've got a, a son. Any other kids? No, not, no, no. Yeah, it's a lot of work. No. How do we how do we wrap this up? Because this 20 minute conversation. Now I'm going to have to air this whole thing. I feel bad. You're going to. I know you. You're going to. I'm not going to edit. I'm not. I don't think I'm going to edit it. Really? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I think it's really important for people to see how a conversation unravels. And I think that you can see that even the way we get into the kidnapping story. And believe me, the whole time I'm thinking, it's like when you get like a like a gift and you and you're not enjoying that gift that's the kidnapping story you want another gift you want to you're <laughs> greedy and i know there's more stories i know this because at one point you said oh there's there's other illegal stuff or whatever or shady shit and that's that's what i i love that i love the underbelly i i always have i've always been fascinated by it because it's not a life that i would ever lead and and i'm i'm, I'm always curious and respectful and so many people open up and tell me these stories, and I, I, I'm really grateful because I know you've been, like you said, invited on other podcasts. You have other friends that uh, you know don't know this side of you. Although you just look at your arms, <laughs> pretty much tells the story. You know what else? What else am I missing? Is there anything? Uh, I mean, I think that's it. It's a, uh, it's interesting. I mean, to encapsulate it, just yeah, it's I was just a regular middle class kid. 
that just decided that this was a, a business. But you're right. There's it's an underbelly, but it's it's really its own econ. It's a it's a whole other world and economy. It operates on one of our favorite sayings we'd always say was handshakes and leg breaks. We didn't break anybody's legs, but just as the principle, it was there's no way to sue. There's no way to call the police if someone takes your shit. It's just a whole you <laughs> you live outside of all these rules while yeah. you're in the middle. So we, you know, I have no background in any of that whatsoever, but yet it makes me nervous for my son because I sit there and go, wow, I could stick you through every private school and, and teach you all the things that I want to teach you. And it still doesn't have anything to do with your personality and mm-hmm. what you're going to choose. Right. Right. So, and you have to let him make those choices. Sure. Yeah. But no, no real regrets whatsoever. But we didn't do anything terrible. So I know a great way to end this. Okay. So you know me. I'm not, I don't do any drugs. Yeah. Never have. Uh, just, I was too afraid. And I also, my mind works in such a bizarre way that I can't imagine drugs would alter my thinking that much. Okay, you're looking at me. I, I started thinking, what what would he be like on drugs? <laughs> I think, uh, well, and I'm obviously into rolling some dice, so I don't mind, you know. Right. But uh, but you're, you're right. You're, you're, I know you. You're, that's not your thing. Right. And which I, I which I have a lot. Of, I don't do a lot of drugs anymore either. It's not. It's not. You're still smoking a lot of weed. Or you, yeah, that's. Yeah. But I uh, less booze. Uh, you know, weed's always been there since I was. A, a, oh, booze is a drug now. Well, I a, take everything something. back. I well, just said. I, put, I put weed in the booze category. Mezcal. So, and I never talk about this stuff. But I'll, I'm going <laughs> to tell this story that I, I totally forgot. But for some reason, I just remembered. And I know why, because the whole time I'm thinking, he never talks about his dad. Should I ask him about his dad? And then I remembered one time we went hiking. Do you remember this story? Yes, I do. We went hiking. <laughs> and I said, I said, let's, let's smoke some pot. This is before pot was legal up. This is, you know. No, it was recreational, wasn't it? No, it wasn't. Yeah, it's been recreational for a long time. It just, they weren't treating it as such. Well, let, let's not step on me being a badass here. <laughs> okay, so I was breaking the law. I didn't have a I didn't have a pot license or whatever. I wasn't. I was. I was. Uh, I illegally smoking marijuana. So we were hiking, and I remember exactly where because we we hiked. We started at the bottom, and we hiked up, and then we were hiking down, and you were going on and on, and you were telling me this story about this woman who. What was the story? Don't give away who it is. Uh. Uh, someone was asking me if I believed that uh, Jesus was my Lord and Savior, and if I didn't, uh, she was so sorry uh, because uh, I was going to go to hell. And I was, and she was sincerely sorry for me. Yeah, and I was so stoned, and I'm trying to listen to this story, but I can't, and I'm not good on, on weed to begin with, and he's going on and on, and he goes, she told me I'm going to hell, and I said, oh, you know what? I hope I hope you dumped her, and you'll never call her again, <laughs> and you said... My grandma. <laughs> I totally, I totally missed the part of the story that it was your grandmother who was the Jesus freak. Yeah, <laughs> and she could be right. I don't know. Yeah. It's not my thing, but you know, maybe she could be in heaven right now and she's laughing and yeah. also saying, "Jason, yeah, get your shit together." <laughs> we might have to have you back on because I know there's more stories. We have to hear about your dad because I saw a look in your eye when I brought him up. Uh, Love my dad. Yeah. Uh, my guest is love my mom, also. Jason, uh, friend, uh, a guy who's been through a journey and has opened up and, and shared her with me. Oh, 
you know I'm recording this right now, right? Yes. And you don't mind if I put this on my podcast? No, go for it. And uh, you know my name is Orny Adams? I do know that. Yeah. Jason, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Love you, buddy. Love you, too. So interesting. Thank you, Jason, for being a friend and coming on and having the courage to share these stories. I, I did beep your name at the beginning, your last name, to protect you a little bit. But there is video. There is video on YouTube and Facebook and Twitter. So you, if you want to watch parts of the interview, I, I put some up. But, it, you know, it turns out owning a money counting machine is not illegal, which is what I thought, because you can buy them everywhere. They're all, they're all over the place. So it is not illegal to own a money counting machine. However, the DEA, the Drug Enforcement Agency, for years was spying on tens of thousands of Americans who purchased counting machines. This is according, it's in the New York Times, in Forbes. This came out in uh, April of 2019. Under a sweeping surveillance program, the Drug Enforcement Administration... Is it agency or administration secretly spied on Americans who bought money counters, the vast majority of whom were never shown to be connected to illicit or drug related activity? Of course not. Those things are fun to have just to hear the money go just to watch it. So you can play like you're a banker. I mean, most. Anyway, uh, it was called Program B, and they gathered so many names that they couldn't even follow up on all of them. So they ended that program. But here, who's buying? This is the real question. Who's buying a money machine with a credit card, a traceable credit card? If you buy a, a money machine, obviously you have too much money. That's why you have a, a, a money machine. So you pay cash. You pay. You, uh, use a fake name, a P.O. box, cash, cash. Or you buy one used. I mean, is anybody thinking? Do I have to explain everything? Thank you again. This is episode 16. Two, What's wrong one. with Orny Adams? We're in Los Angeles eating kumquats. <laughs> Little friend. I'm going to bring it down. I want to thank I want to thank all of you. And I think 20 Adams I think 2021 is going to end a lot better than it began. So let's hang in there and let's uh, let's keep in touch. The email is what's wrong at orneyadams.com. I'm on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Find me everywhere. I hope you're subscribing. I hope you're sharing. I hope you're listening. I want to thank Ernesto Hurtado for editing and uh, consulting and listening and laughing and enjoying and hating me and all that stuff. <laughs> It's quite an adventure. Quite an adventure. Episode 16, What's Wrong with Orny Adams? 17, let's hope it happens. And don't buy kumquats.